Alright, here we are back again for another week at the barbershop. I am your host, Mark Ray, joined by the, to the right of me, my main man, Lamont Jordan. How you doing today, brother? What's going on? Not much, not much. Thank you for everybody who's tuning in. DB, what's up, buddy, man? How you guys doing? I figured we probably have some Cowboys fans showing up this week. I, I know they're coming back this week. Um, week 12 is in the books, but before we get to the NFL, um, we have four college teams. What do you think about the four? The selection committee get it right? There's like everything that you would have wanted to go wrong went wrong and you really had an opening up to the point where there was seven, eight different teams that had a case for for make that that, that they could have made to be in that final four. Um yeah, I think they got it right. I mean What know, do you think about a school like like um UCF? That goes undefeated, wins their conference. So basically, they never really had a shot to win. No, they never had a shot. We talked about this before. When I said just move to an eight-game playoff. Because you got kids out here playing, giving this false hope that they can actually compete for a national championship. And there's nothing about your schedule <laughs> right. that suggests that, you know, you're finishing maybe the top seven or eight. Just guys out there playing football. Yeah, you're just out there playing football, <laughs> hoping, for, hoping for a high bowl. You know, so, <laughs> I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I think Alabama was going to get in. I couldn't see you putting Ohio State in there. I believe Alabama lost to what's now the number one ranked team in the nation, if I'm not mistaken. Alabama, their problem is, is that Alabama, um, they don't have any wins number against. Number one is Georgia. Al- um, excuse me, um, Clemson. Who's number two? Uh, number two, Clemson. It's uh, Clemson, Oklahoma, um, Alabama. And the fourth one is uh Oh, I thought Georgia. Alabama, I thought Georgia was three, and and I thought Alabama was the fourth seed. But they got so many different things that they put out there. Yeah. when they come out that you never know. But I mean, I think no, Alabama is the fourth seed, I believe. Yeah, Alabama's fourth seed. I mean, with that said, um, I mean, you know, you have to get you have to get viewers. So I think having number one Clemson versus number four Alabama is it, you know it gives you a look at, at two. Pretty much the two dominant college teams in the last in the last couple of years, they get a chance to play one another to see who's not going to have their opportunity to play in the international. I mean, it looks like Alabama got in off a of brand. Um, I, who else would you put above them? Uh, you know, I I, I don't uh, not a fan of of any of those programs per se. But I mean, just the argument that's been made to me and that Alabama only they have two wins against uh, top fifteen programs. And the only time they played a good team at home was LSU. Excuse me, was um Auburn, and they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, beating in Florida State at the time, they were I think Florida State was like two or three, and it seemed like a good win. Turns out Florida State, damn near, you know, they were they weren't even they weren't even above five hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now that being said, Alabama didn't know that at the time they scheduled them. You know what I mean? It, it seemed like a good game, it just wasn't. Um, you know, Alabama is a brand, and mm-hmm. it's. They've been dominating college football for, you know, for quite a while now. So, you know, maybe their name did help them get in. I mean, even if it did, I mean, that's very consistent with what we've seen for years with college football. That the team with the brand, the team that may bring the most fans or uh, the game that's that's the most intriguing game, you know, those people are going to get in. Okay, that's that. We can get into the... um we can get into the NFL right before we start. 
DB wants to apologize to, um, cause I actually texted him when it was happening. Uh, he had texted last week in the middle of us talking that Des Bryant couldn't win a jump ball versus anybody in the NFL. And I, I, I when we saw him catch, um, catch that jump ball mm-hmm. this weekend in the end zone, uh, so DB said he'd like to start off the show by apologizing to Des Bryant. Um, last week, um, John Carlo had a question for us that we didn't get a chance to address, so I told him we'll start off this week about the show. And it's a legit question, but, um, why isn't Case Keenum, Case Keenum getting any MVP mention? I I have a theory. You want me to go first? Yeah. I mean, Minnesota, the, 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 the theory is, not the theory, the idea is based off of the fact that obviously Minnesota has a great record and they're winning. <coughs> Minnesota's identity is on the defensive side of the ball. You know what I mean? So... Um, that's the reason that he's not getting, so he's not going to get the credit for it. Um, for the, for the past four or five years, Seahawks have been winning every single year, and Russell Wilson puts together great seasons, but nobody ever mentions him because their identity is the Legion of Boom. They get all the credit. Um, you're not going to find teams where the, you know, one side of the, that's, has a defensive identity where the offensive player gets the credit. So Case Keenum's having a good season. Um, I think one also, your reputation is what it is. And it's a pretty prestigious award. You know, you know, you're not trying to have it just be flashing the pants type of dudes winning it. Um, not saying that that's fair or right, but the reason that you're not hearing his name is because the Vikings defense is getting the credit for the victories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of it is his reputation prior to him getting the starting job. You look at what he's done in the past, and I think you're exactly right. It really has everything to do with their defense and the wide receiver court he has out there. I mean, you know, Thielen is, is proven to be a legitimate uh, threat in the, in the National Football League from the wide receiver position. Stephon Diggs, we know what he brings to the table. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, you know what he brings to the table. And the fact that um, you have some backs back there that are produced, that are, that, that are giving you something, uh, actually more than what Adrian Peterson was giving you from an all-around perspective because these guys are dangerous in the passing game. With that said, um, if you put him up against uh, Wentz, Wentz, in my opinion, is pretty much carrying the team. If if Case Keenum was not the quarterback and Bridgewater was the quarterback, this team would probably still be exactly where they are right now. Or even Bradford. Or Bradford. <laughs> Whereas if you look at the Eagles, you take you, you take you take uh, Wentz out of the, out of the equation. Ain't no telling where the Eagles would be. Right. But it wouldn't be at the top of the, it wouldn't be at the top of, uh, actually they got the, the second, but the best team, best record in, part, second best, tied for second. Part best. of the thing is if, if Case Keenum goes out this week, let's say right now you have Minnesota as your, if we were to do a power ranking and you had Minnesota as the third best team, mm-hmm. or you have them the first best team, or you have the fourth best team, whatever you have them at, okay, and Case Keenum goes out this weekend and tears his ACL and he's out for the year and they inside Bridgewater. And I ask you, where do you have Minnesota? You're going to say, I have him at third. You're going to say, I have him at first. Have, wherever you said you had him at before, exactly. you're going to say, I have, you're going to say you had him right there in the same, in, that, in the same place. So it's hard for me to say that you're the most valuable player when that's the case. If, if, if you have New England ranked number one, number two, or number three, and I say Tom Brady goes out, and I say, where are you ranked him now? You're like, oh, I don't know. You know, I might not have him. I don't know where I have him ranked because they lost their most valuable player. Mm-hmm. Same situation in Philadelphia, wherever you have him ranked. If I say Carson Wentz goes out, all of a sudden, you're like, I don't know where I ranked him. But I promise you, if Case Keenum went out, some of the people would make an argument that they feel like Bridgewater would be an upgrade. You know, I'm not saying that's necessarily true, but it wouldn't change your opinion of Minnesota. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't change my opinion of Minnesota. 
And it's not to say that Keenum isn't doing a good job. Not at all. He is. Doing a good he is. Job. Not at all. Not at all. But when you look at what Wentz is doing in Philadelphia, um, all aspects of it is just better. And we'll get we'll get to it later in the show. But what Russell Wilson is doing? Yeah, he's healthy. Twenty. That the team has thirty-one touchdowns. He's accounted for twenty-nine of them. He's healthy. Yeah, yeah there, there's no Marshawn Lynch there. When Marshawn Lynch was there, everybody felt like that what Russell Wilson was doing was because of Marshawn Lynch. Um, but a healthy Russell Wilson is 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 a dangerous, 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 dangerous quarterback. Dangerous. He's going to. And I, I was listening to the radio, and I think Coolio said it earlier. Somebody said it on the radio that this dude just never gets tired. He, and he by himself wore down that defense. That's exactly what happened. He, he does video game right. dropbacks. That's the only place you ever see. In video games, yeah. where you see, yeah. that's like, you would play those video games and anybody would be like, this is so fake. Nobody drops 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage. You know, when people used to play with Mike Vick and they press the triangle mm-hmm. button and they run all the way around. And it's like, that's not possible. And it's like, before Russell Wilson, it wasn't. We never seen anybody literally makes passes from 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, we'll get to that later. Um, started off Thursday. We started off with the Redskins-Cowboys game. And we both last week sat here and said that... Um, we believed that Dez had the talent to do it, but it was time to shut up and show us. Mm-hmm. And and Dez did. Uh, Dez did. Dez showed up, and made made the plays that he needed to make. Um, showed why he is cons- why he was at least at one point in time considered considered a um, what was that breaking news? Power was considered a, um, an elite receiver. That's power breakers. Nah, I said definitely said breaking oh. news. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! Juju Smith suspended one game for that? We'll get to that later, but come on, man. That's crazy. Um, that's, that's ridiculous. A lot of crazy things going on. This is ridiculous, man. Um, what was I at? Oh yeah, Dad stepped up. Um, Dak (laughs) stepped up. Uh, now, the Redskins, okay? Let's, let's get to the Redskins. It's almost, it's almost repetitive at this point. Um, you watch this, if you pick up the box score and you say, wow, you know, uh, quarterback's name? Cousins. Cousins, two interceptions, da, da, da. Both of his interceptions hit the receiver in the hands. Okay. Um, dude gets hit on every single play. Uh, you know, like, again, is he Aaron Rodgers? No. Are they putting him in a good position to win? No. Is he deserve top five money? No. Are the Redskins going to find something better than him? Probably not. <laughs> you know, that's probably another no. Cousins, if you watch this entire game, not the stat sheet, you watch the game, Cousins did not play bad. Mm-hmm. Cousins, I think Cousins has been solid all year long. But the price tag, it, it, it comes with, when, you, when you're asking for <clears throat> or the possibility of you making that much money, um, it's out there, and then you look at the people who are actually at your position, who are better than you. You're going to get that. You're going to get that kind of talk. You have your RG three fans who just can't let go of the fact that, go. that he is he was never a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. At no point in time in their careers do I ever think that RG three was a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. I I can't think of any other fan base where they tune in on Sundays, waiting for their quarterback to fail. Well, that's this, and, and it goes to the point. <laughs> I that, believe, like, that goes to the point that I was making is that you have your RG three lovers. 
all right, who haven't let go of RG3. Excuse me. You have your people who are just so adamant and they're watching what's, what's going on with all of these other teams and, and they're saying, that, oh, well, we don't have to pay him. Let's get another quarterback in the draft. All right. <clears throat> At the end of the day, Kirk Cousins is taking care of business. I think that he's a player that's put in a position. And I say this coming into the season. I think he's put in a position to fail. Mm -hmm. You don't have a legitimate tight end on your team. And when I say legitimate tight end, and anybody, and, and you know, those of you all who tune in every, every week, you hear me say it every time we talk about the Redskins. You don't have a blocking tight end, and you don't have a fullback. Now, check this out. What's the one area all season long the Redskins have been banged up at? Offensive line. The offensive line. You know who makes up for the offensive line when the offensive line is banged up and you have to bring in second guys and third guys and you have to shift your offensive line around? You know who makes up for that? The fullback. Right. You know who else helps out with that? Tight end. The tight end. Tight you know who else back. helps out with that, who's a critical part in this whole equation, is a halfback. You don't have any veteran running backs on your team. So Kirk Cousins has no blocking tight end. He has no fullback. And he has no veterans running, no no veteran halfback in, in his backfield. And he's playing with an offensive line that has been banged up. Changes week to week. Changes week to week with, let's just face it, a bootleg wide receiver core. <laughs> this wide receiver core is bootleg. I agree. You try to bring in a quarterback to play wide receiver, it didn't work out for you. Okay? I said it coming into the season. Crowder's going to have to prove that that he wasn't a result of having Pierre Garçon, a healthy Jordan Reed, and a Deshaun Jackson around him. He's going to have to prove that he's a number one. Terrell Pryor, I mean, not Terrell Pryor, uh, uh, Dotson is playing, in my opinion, he's playing in his rookie year. Right. So I don't think that you're going to get better than Kirk Cousins. I agree. You're not going to get better than Kirk Cousins. I mean, are you going to go to Alex Smith? You know, I can understand that if you if Alex Smith hits the free agency market, but those people who the biggest mistake the Redskins made in all in this whole equation is that they did not sign Kirk Cousins when Scott McLuhan said sign Kirk Cousins. Had they signed Kirk Cousins, the price tag would be a lot cheaper. The fact that they waited, they franchise tagged him. This man just had a baby. He's already said he's looking for stability. And it may be a situation that you're just gonna have to pay Kirk Cousins that money. But I tell you what. If you pay him that money, you could continue to build this roster around him the way you, the, the way this roster was built. Guess what? You're going to get the same results, and there's going to be a lot of unhappy fans who are going to want to blame Kirk Cousins for it all. And all I see is a guy who continues to get better year after year. There's some aspect in Kirk Cousins' game. We talked about this with Rondo for years, and we talked about this for uh, Joe Flacco. His I want to say his first four years, where each year he just seemed like he's getting better and better at something. That's what Kirk Cousins is, and, and that's the situation. So for Redskins fans who want to hate on Kirk Cousins, I mean, you can hate on him if you want to. If you get rid of Kirk Cousins, then you're pretty much putting yourself at the bottom of the NFC East unless you're going to invest a significant amount of money in your defense to get some really top players at defense. Because you got to think about this with Kirk Cousins. Breland is a free agent. Um, Zach Brown is a free agent. It's a lot of free agents with the Redskins this year, so they got a big decision to make. Reggie Conti says, I think we are just not, you just need to be coached up. So he thinks the coaching is a problem. DB, who is a Cowboys fan, oddly enough, said the skins are mediocre and have been as usual since 1991, when the Cowboys are the definition of mediocre, uh, over the past 20 years in terms of their record. I believe is literally like 500. 
over the last 20 years. <laughs> like, the exact, it's like literally at 500, so that's kind of odd for you to be saying that, DB. Um, but the thing is, I, I agree with Lamont, is that the Redskins have put Kirk Cousins in a position to fail, and I feel like the Redskins have been doing that to players for the bet, for the whole Don Snyder, the whole Dan Snyder era, been putting people in a position to fail. The only person I can say who came here and wasn't put in a position to fail, oddly enough, was RG3, and that Shanahan, he had a coach who said, listen, we're going to go down to Baylor, work with your college coach, find, run stuff that you, that you ran in college, and da, da, da. The Redskins put, RG3 is probably the only person that the Redskins have put in a position to succeed. And he succeeded, and he said, I don't want this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He said, I, I don't want to do this. So it's like, how bizarre is that the only person that they put in a position to succeed? And he did succeed. Said, I'm not comfortable with this. It's not what I want. I want to be a drop back passer, which is, uh, which is crazy. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, Cousins is not bad. If you watch, if you watch the Redskins games, he's not, that pass he made thrown off his back foot and Crowder ended up catching it. That was, I mean, now that gets intercepted. You're saying, what the hell are you doing? But he completed it. Yeah. You know what pass I'm talking about? Yeah, like running, they, running. Was, they were on the same page. That wasn't a pass where Kirk Cousins was just throwing it up to nobody. Like You can see that him and Crowder were on the same page. Kirk Cousins would not have to work as hard if you give him those things that I've been saying all week long. I mean, all year long. Yeah, no, no, into, I agree. Uh, and to Reggie, you know, I, I'm with you on Breeling Can Walk. You know, I think that you can get, I mean, you for, for the amount of money that he may get paid from one of these teams... I don't think it's worth the Redskins to, to bring him back uh, for some ridiculous amount of money, uh, especially knowing that you have some areas on your offense that you need. Uh, one other thing about this Redskins, this, this Redskins uh, team, I think we're really pushing the point where if I'm looking at this as a coach, my team is out of the playoffs. You can talk about mathematically you're still in there, but if you look at the teams who are above you, the chances of the rest, they need too much to, to happen to be out of it. I would sit Trent Williams for the rest of the year. I would sit Jordan Reed for the rest of the year. I would sit Mo, uh, Moses for the rest of the year. And I heard that there was talks that they're bringing the, the defensive tackle from Alabama, Allen, back. I would let him rest. These are guys that you know are going to be here next year. These are guys who I believe have proven their worth on the field. And when you look at the boy Allen, he played college football at Alabama for Nick Saban. He had four years of straight banging, mm -hmm. playing in that SEC football. Absolutely. And then what people don't realize is that Which as is soon as he gets finished, he had to play in the national championship game. After the national championship game, he had to get ready for the combines. After the combines, he had to get ready for 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 uh, for mini camps, OTAs, right. straight to training camp. This boy has been going for five years straight without having a <laughs> chance to rest. So mm -hmm. if he's going to be your future D tackle, he was your first round draft pick. He has he has more years left on his contract. You just let him rest. You let Jordan Reed rest, and it's it's really simple for Jordan Reed: either lose weight and be a wide receiver, or pick up weight so that you're not a liability at the tight end spot um, when it when it comes to blocking. When it comes to Trent Williams and Moses, hey, those guys are going to be here. Those are your two best offensive linemen. They've been hurt all year long. Trent Williams has gone through weeks where he didn't even practice. All he did was play it in the game. From a player's perspective, and I'm saying this from a player's perspective, is that I think it's best for those guys to just sit out the rest of the season. What are you proving by playing guys who aren't practicing but are playing on game day during a season that means absolutely nothing at this point? I don't think the Jordan Reed thing is going to happen in terms of I just 
He's a very talented, extremely talented, uh, gifted player. But, I mean, let's face it, Lamont, and I don't have to tell you this, football is a contact sport. Mm-hmm. And and he can't take it, the, the beating. You know, whether it's freak injuries, whether it doesn't really matter what you want to call it. And at this point, you have to wonder, what's the next concussion going to do? You, you know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. Every time he gets hit, it's either a chest, it's an ankle, it's a knee. And, and in worst case scenarios, he's, I mean, it's a concussion. You know, he, he's yet to play, hell, 16 games. I don't know if he's played 10 games consecutively his entire career. You know, he's a talented receiver. He's a very talented player, and it's easy to see why you want a game plan for him. The position he plays, he plays tight end, where you are guaranteed to get hit. Mm-hmm. Okay, this isn't Deshaun Jackson, where we can limit his hits because he just runs, go routes. And he's a tight end. Mm-hmm. If he catches 70 passes, that means he's going to be tackled 70 times. Mm-hmm. He catches the ball over the middle of the field. That's just the reality of it. You, you know, and, and you can't have a tight end that you say, here's our tight end. Oh, by the way, he can't get hit. You know, that, that, that doesn't work. Um, yeah. Now, on the flip side of that, the Cowboys, still mathematically alive. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you put their chances at for the playoffs? Zero. 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 Cow- Cowboys are done. There's only one Sha- team. Sean Lee comes back. This I, week. I can care less. There's only one team. <laughs> There's only one team from the NFC East that's going to make it to the playoffs, and it's the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, it, it, look at this. You look at where the Cowboys are, and we talked about this, and, and last week when we picked the show, you know, I had to force myself to go with the Redskins. And you said it that you felt like Alpha Morris was going to get off. Yep. Oh, I forgot and, to mention. Yes, I did. And, I did. If you go back and check last week's show, I told you what would happen. I told you Alpha Morris was going was going get his revenge against his old team. And, and mind you, they haven't replaced the Alpha. The Redskins are still yet to replace Alpha Morris. Yeah, they have not replaced Alpha Morris yet. Okay. Um, but you know, as I was sitting there last week, and this is where me wanting the Redskins to win, it's like everything inside of me agreed with you. Because if you look <laughs> at the if you look at the last game. If you take Ezekiel Elliott out of that game, all right. Now, so first of all, let's look at Ezekiel Elliott and 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 um, Alfred Morris. All right. Here's the one thing that both of those backs have had in common this year when the Cowboys and the Redskins are playing. That is this: that the Cowboys' offensive line is taking the Redskins' defensive line and pushing them two and three yards back, opening up major holes and lanes. And for a back, especially when you're running that stretch. With the vision that Alfred Morris has, where Zeke may get ten or twelve, Alfred is going to get you five or six. If I get you five or six right. on first down, I'm looking at second and five, second and four. What's happening is is the team is being efficient. They're able to move the chains and they're keeping their defense off of the field. All right. So if you if 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 you're really looking at it from from if you just look at the last game, even without Ezekiel Elliott, the team that departed the Redskins that got dominated in that game was their defensive front, and that's and that's what happened. But to answer your question, I don't think the Cowboys are going. As a going. as a running back, is that something that you notice? Like as soon as the ball snapped, can you say, can you notice my guys are winning the line of scrimmage battle, or you don't really see that until film? Yeah, you can see it. You can see it, especially on the stretch plays, because on the stretch plays, you get more time to actually stretch the ball a little further. All right. Even on the stretch plays, it just looks differently. I mean, it just looks differently from when you're running the ball. When I got guys moving this way, mm-hmm. as a back, you can feel it. I, I, I've been many times where I've gotten the ball, and we've got you can feel penetration coming back towards coming you. Coming back towards you, right. you can feel where there was a lot of penetration. Right, 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 right. But 
When you don't have penetration, you can feel that because there's no threat of, pe of penetration. Now, when those guys are actually getting movement, you can feel that because the distance between the time that you get the ball to where you get to your spot to where you burst, there's there's just gaps, there's holes. You can you can you can feel it. And then when you get back to the huddle, you can see it in your offensive lineman's eyes. Even the way they walk to the huddle. And you can tell when your offensive lineman are feeling it is because when you get in the yards and you get those tough yards and you see two and three offensive linemen coming over to the running back, picking the running back up, giving giving Bama's forearm shivers, that's letting you know right now you're playing behind an offensive line that feels good about themselves. Keep letting these guys double team fire off the ball. As a running back, you sense that. You feel it. You can see it. You can see it when you come back in the huddle. It's a good feeling. It's a great feeling. Now let me ask you this: the flip side of that, mm -hmm. as a running back, which <laughs> there's plenty of. So I've never even asked you this question before. Is there ever a time when you just when you when the running back or even the quarterbacks like, yo, y'all are not blocking. Give me some, whether it be the quarterback saying, "Give me some time," or the running back being like, "Give me somewhere to go." Or is it just an unwritten rule that like you don't you don't. Because you're all on the same team, you don't say something like that. I try not to. I try not to 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 get on my linemen too tough. Um, sometimes if they weren't blocking, I was probably pissed with the play call. Okay. You know, yeah. I was a big back. Right. I don't want to run sideways. So if I'm a big back and you want to feature me running sideways, I feel like you're doing a defense. You're helping the defense. Because instead of allowing me to come downhill using my vision and giving me two and three options, I pretty got it's pretty much if you have a good offensive line, running sideways is good because they're gonna create lanes. But if you have a suspect offensive line, then running sideways is just it's it's like a suicide mission. I rem I don't remember which coach it was, but I remember the time when it was implemented and I remember you saying in the regular in excuse me, in the preseason or the off season when they were implemented. And you were skeptical of it, and you were saying that when you were saying, you know, we got to go to the side and then pick a hole and then plant and then turn up, and you're like, I'm not feeling it. I, like, yeah. I remember, I don't remember which coach it was or which yeah. offense, but I remember you, way before the season started saying like, yeah, I'm not really feeling this uh, yeah. this zone running thing. But so no, you say you wouldn't, you want, you're not going to say something to your offensive lineman if. No, I may try to encourage him a little bit. Okay. But but I, there was one game. There was only one game that I, I kind of went off. Um, and this was in the locker room. This was at halftime. And <clears throat> I pretty much, this was the first time I ever thought this or felt this way. I was, I was never big on running up my lineman's back. I was never big on that. But we were playing the Broncos and I was pretty much like, it just got to the point where it wasn't coaching. It wasn't a game plan. We're playing in Denver. Our defense is stopping, uh, the Mike Shanahan offense. Our special teams are taking care of business. We, it was early in the season. We were in a position that, that if we win, we were actually going to be at the top of the division. Mm -hmm. And I pretty much made it clear. I was like, look, even make a hole, I'm going to run up your back. And it was the first time that I ever felt that. It was the first time I ever said that. But it did, it just gets to a point as a running back, we're the one position on the field that is not protected by any rules. We are live in every aspect of the game. All right. So knowing that, give me some space. Right. You know, it can't be it, it can't be constantly running sideways where where and you see this all the time when a back is running sideways and he hits the hole and you got those DBs who want no part of contact where they're coming in and they're knocking his legs. What happens is if you catch a back off balance. Right. Now, let's say you got a safety back there like a Sean Taylor. A Brian Dawkins, a Roy Williams, Bob Sanders, a Bob Sanders, a Troy Polamalu, and, and, and the list goes on of guys mm -hmm. that I've played against. 
You let one of them guys catch you slipping, running sideways, <laughs> tripping and stumbling. They're going to uh, clean, you up. clean you up. And as a back, I just I just never liked that. And, and that's why I've always said that the Redskins have to go to a multitude of runs. You have big backs that you want to run sideways with a hurt offensive line. And so um, just from a running back's perspective, if you don't have space to run, um, some quarterbacks will. Now, if if you are if, if you are a Tom Brady type or Aaron Rodgers type or whatever the case may be, and you're not block, first of all, Tom Brady, if you're not blocking for him, chances are you're, <laughs> you're not going to lose yeah. your job. Right. You're going to lose your job. But yeah, you you have people who get on your offensive line, but you try to be patient with the offensive line, especially if it's a situation where they're being asked to do things that they really don't do very well. The defense is expecting it. Um, so, you know, that's pretty much the... You, now, you're a big dude uh, for, for uh, general population. Does it even cross your mind that when you're saying these type of things to an offensive lineman that they're some of the biggest human beings walking the planet, or that stuff don't even enter your mind? Man, that stuff don't enter your mind. I mean, you got to realize, as a running back, I got those. I got to block those guys sometimes. The same guys that the offensive lineman block, as backs, we had to block sometimes. So it's almost like you're used to getting into physical confrontation with people who are significantly bigger than you. Because gotcha. you're getting tackled and all those things. So, yeah. And it's not like you're saying it. These are things that's pretty much said in the heat of battle. Right, 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 right. So you it's know? not like so personal. It's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's never personal. If somebody takes it personal to that matter, then guess what? They're going to get beat anyway. <laughs> they're getting their feelings because somebody's saying that they're not doing their job. Got gotcha. you. Um, Vikings, Falcons. Vikings, uh Pick up another victory. The Falcons pick up another L. They're seven and five. Vikings ten two. Rolling. Case, Case Keelan picks up another victory. Um, the Falcons are just making. While well, the Vikings are pretty much roll, uh, you know, going to ride in easily to the playoffs. The Vikings are making it tough on themselves. Like, excuse me. The Falcons are making it tough on themselves. I think this is just a case of the best defense played against an offense that's that's still trying to find itself. Um, although Atlanta has had some success in the, in the, in the past couple of weeks, um, you know, I, I think that this was more of a test of how good the Minnesota Vikings defense is opposed, uh, you know, opposed to anything else. And, and they showed it, man. I mean, those guys just, you I mean, you have the Falcons out of the end zone. Julio Jones gets two catches for 24 yards, two catches on six targets. At home? Kid. You know, I mean, so that's just pretty much hats off to, I mean, hats off to the Vikings, man. Just another test to the Vikings defense and they passed. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is a good offense. Yeah. Um, a year ago, this was one of the greatest offenses. Yeah. And, and they and they shut them down. The Falcons now find themselves, you know, they, they just can't afford to be picking up these uh, losses. And the Vikings, I guess, the only question now they're just playing for is home field advantage um, throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can move past that one. Next game we have there. Did I go too far? No, I didn't. Uh, Patriots-Bills. A couple things from this game. Uh... The Gronkowski thing. Yeah, trip. That ever crossed your mind? What? I mean, somebody, because, I mean, everybody who thinks, the first of all, I was talking <laughs> to somebody today, they're like, did you just, can't, he just does that out of nowhere. Something, things like that don't happen out of nowhere. <laughs> right? He didn't, you know, like, if, if you're sitting here and I just punch you in your face, you're like, wow, Mark just punched him in his face for no reason. They just punch him for no reason. Mm-hmm. Might not have been warranted. That's completely different. But it didn't happen for no reason. You, you know what I mean? Like, something had, we don't know Gronk to be psycho. We've never seen him do anything else like this. So, you know, obviously there's something. Now, Gronkowski is one of the bigger human beings you will ever see in your life, even in the NFL. 
You know, he's big by an NFL standard. He's a big dude. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure all day long, it's, it's kind of like the Shaq thing where remember when Shaq was the center and, you know, people just, just, you just get fouled every yeah. single play mm-hmm. because the people who are guarding you are half your size. So what other options do they have other than to foul you? Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, the Shaq used to get fouled on every play. And, you know, you say stop whining and it's easy for us to say stop whining because we're not the one getting hit mm-hmm. on by every play. For an example, if Shaq is being guarded by, let's say, a Kenyon Martin, he, Shaq has Kenyon Martin by 80, maybe 100 pounds. And so you'd say, quit whining. That's easy for you to say. Because while Shaq may have him by 100 pounds, Kenny Martin is still a very big and strong guy. And if he had him hitting you all day long, you would not like it. Right? You know what I mean? So the whole, you're bigger than everybody. So you pick, now you say, insert Gronk. And you say, man, these cornerbacks are just hitting them all day. You know, take it. These cornerbacks, while they're smaller than Gronk, they're not weak and they're not small. Mm-hmm. So they're hitting them all game long, whether it's hitting him on his knees, grabbing his shirt, pulling him, doing anything they possibly can, hoping to slow down this giant. Mm-hmm. He had enough, mm-hmm. you know? And, and he says at this point, he just goes and jumps on the guy who's already on the ground. And it's one of those situations where I'm sure, like, as soon as you do it, you're like, damn, what did I just do? And you're, you're feeling kind of bad. And then you're like, oh, by the way, that guy has a concussion. Like, Jesus. <laughs> like, you know, like, you just, you, let me guess. Like, and his mom died this morning and his dog ran away. Like, the story just can't get any worse. You know what I mean? The concussion was the icing on the cake. Um, I don't, you know, it, it's, you sit there and you watch it and you, you definitely ask yourself, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I keep laughing. People watching, I'm sitting here watching the, 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 the video of it. And, yo, know, I have, I mean, it was frustration. Right. Obviously. He was clearly being held, but you can see that Grunt, as he... <laughs> you can see he was in between thoughts here. I mean, the play is so long dead, it's not even funny. It is, but... It's like five whole okay, so, seconds dead. Okay, so this is me looking at the play. All right. Grunt just got pushed. He hits the ground, doesn't see a flag. Rips for his face, for his helmet. Looks up, doesn't see a flag. And then instantly, he just <laughs> curved out on the dude. And, and you can see as he was going into it to go down on him that it was one of those things that he, he committed to. Right. They tried to pull to, back up it was too late. But he was so angry and so in his feelings and I'm not exactly for sure what point in the game this is but to your point actually I'm sorry this is the fourth quarter yeah so you he's probably dealt with the whole game of being grabbed on like you said they probably weren't calling anything and he said enough is enough and when it comes to Gronk and him doing that um, that's one of those things man where you just look at it and you say clearly that's Gronk. Um, My guess is if his name is not Gronkowski, he might not be a Patriot this morning. Um, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, yeah, to be honest with you, this is one of those clear-cut cases where... <laughs> if his name isn't Gronkowski, I'm with you on that. he's not a Patriot this morning. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as saying he, won't, he, he wouldn't be a Patriot, but... <laughs> I would say that he is probably skating on some real thin, really thin ice Absolutely. right now. But, Absolutely, um, you know, it, it, you could. I mean, you could see it was frustration. You don't want to do it. Of course, the player got hurt, and you know, I pray that that he's that he gets better. But um, you know, Grunk deserved the one game suspension. The only thing that I don't like about this whole ordeal is that Grunk is appealing the one game suspension. Yeah, and and the next game is the Dolphins. But for me, you know what I'm like, for me appealing the the suspension is there's no accountability. Yeah, what I agree. you did is I a great game suspension. I agree. I don't know if they find him, but trying to appeal it, go through the process, you're wasting a whole bunch of time. You're wasting money. It's wasting money. Just 
you know, allow yourself to let this moment be a teachable moment. Hold yourself accountable for what you did. And don't try to appeal uh, something that millions and millions of people around the world can look and clearly see that, dude, you were tripping. It is a one-game suspension, and you should be happy that it's just that. I, I agree. I, I, I would have, like, in a, in a situation, when you issue the apology saying, I'm, I, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, da-da-da-da, don't, don't follow it up with an appeal. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You either say you're wrong, take accountability, hold it. One game suspension is more than fair. <coughs> it's not like they said they were suspending you for 10 games. And you're like, well, you know, I'm not that guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, one game. And like I said, it's against the Dolphins, but you're going to win anyway. It's not a playoff game. They suspend you for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Take, I'm, I'm with you on that. There's no need to take that suspension. I think the suspension it has a, I, I think a big part of the suspension is the fact that the guy was hurt. Oh yeah, and the, the, you know, the concussion. He didn't get hurt, and it, it, it just maybe a bunch of shoving and pushing happened. I think that Grunk would be playing this week, and he probably would would have gotten fined or something like that. But when you do that, and 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 you hurt the guy, then yeah, now the NFL can't beat the drum all week saying it's it's all about player safety, player safety, and then you got huge guys around here knocking people out on the ground, and, and you don't suspend them. No, there's not. Um, other thing I see in this game, right? Tom Brady comes off the sideline, and he gets into it with, with, with one of your old coaches, Josh McDaniels. And the next day, I'm watching Fox Sports, and I watch three different shows in a row. And it's about seven, eight different people commenting, and they all love it. Love it. This is the fire. That's a leader. That's a passionate guy. That's what you want to see. You know, that, 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 that's the guy you want right there. That's, man, that's Tom. You know, that, that's Tom. You gotta love Tom. You know, he, he, you know, he, he wants to win. That's a guy who wants to win. Let me ask you how you think that would play if that was Cam Newton coming off the field and there's a video clip of him having a verbal exchange with his coach. Now, I know you love Tom Brady. I know you love you some Tom Brady, mm-hmm. but I know you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I know where you're going with it. Okay. And Go ahead. To, to that whole thing, uh, to that whole thing, I would say this. I would pay, I would worry and speak less on what Tom Brady did with regards to his reaction to whatever Josh said. And I would focus on the coach's response to it. Because Josh could have responded in a way that could have had that thing blow up to mm-hmm. be a heck of a lot worse than, than, than it was. What Tom Brady did is what most players do. I've done it. Yeah, I don't think there's too many players. I mean, it it could be coach could say something to you at the wrong time. Right. It could be that you're not even mad at the coach. You're so pissed off and frustrated with yourself in the position that you put your team in that you may spaz out on the coach like that. It happens all the time. All right. But I think the thing that that when you're looking at this, instead of focusing more on Tom Brady, oh, my gosh, Tom Brady, he yelled at the coach. And, you know, he's showing fire. He's showing all this, that, and the third. I like to look at the teaching moment. Um and look at how Josh McDaniel handled the situation. He 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 said he it was like now there's two different I don't know there's two he stopped he stopped what he was doing. Now I don't know if it was stop because you know the cameras are on you and I don't want this to be turned into something big mm-hmm. or stop because that's Tom Brady that you're yelling at and mm-hmm. that's you're not going to win the Tom Brady uh uh battle sort of situation. I don't know what made him stop. I'm guessing is that it's one of those things like we don't need these cameras on us. Da da da. It's not how we do things in the New England. We don't do the sideline spats and all of that. You know what I think that is? I think that what just took place was just an example. He said wide open. Josh McDaniels said wide open. We don't yeah. know what he's talking. He said. I'm assuming he's talking about he's the receiver. Telling the guy that the wide that is wide open. Right. Okay. And I think that what you have is the most dominant team in the National Football League for for 16 years straight now. 
the arguably pretty much the best quarterback to have ever played the game, and an offensive coordinator who's been with him for a number of Super Bowls. They just had they just had a little. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. And the coach handled it the right. How many times have we seen guys? Josh wasn't wrong. Josh told him pretty much told me the guy was wide open. He missed he he missed he missed the target. All right. Tom spazzed out, and that was pretty much the end of it. <laughs> right. All right. People try. I think that if if people want to spend a whole lot of time, um, you know, really talking about it, looking for something to to take from it, I would say look at the leadership from the coach, because the coach. Had, how many times have you seen coaches yell back at right, players? Right, 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 right. You understand? But what Josh do? He he. He backed into him, turned it down. So regardless of if, if it's the cameras or not, it don't matter because we've seen coaches yell back at mm-hmm. that players. I think that that speaks to that organization and how they conduct things and the reason why they are always the number one as far as I'm concerned. The, when you talk about who has a chance to win in the Super Bowl, there's the New England Patriots and then there's, there's everybody, everybody else. else. Absolutely. Um, but at, at its core, this is just a 10-2 team beating up on a 6-6 six and six team. Um, moving on, 49ers. The Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo era starts... In San Fran with a victory. They actually started in, in Chicago. But um, it's a victory. Um, it's five field goals. Uh, it's uh, a kicker getting five field goals against this team that released him, Ari Gold. Uh, a gold, I should say. <laughs> Ari Gold is the guy from um, uh, Entourage. <laughs> but uh, what you call it? Um, the kicker, nonetheless, Gold uh, gets, gets five uh, field goals against his old team. And not a really... Uh, Exciting game, let's say. Five field goals and, and two touchdowns for Chicago, but the 49ers do get another win. And at this point, you kind of wonder if I'm the 49ers, if I'm a 49ers fan, am I, am I even, am I rooting for wins at this point? Probably not, right? I think you're rooting for wins, um, because you want to see your franchise win. And some of these players who are playing now, these are going to be guys who are also going to be on the roster for next year. Um, for those guys who aren't, um, for those guys who aren't locked into it, this is their opportunity to, to show this coaching staff and, and, and show uh, Kyle Shanahan and his coaching staff that, that you belong. I think the one positive that came out of this was uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was 26 for 37 with 293 yards. I think that that's something that you look at as a positive. Yeah, he had one interception, but if you're a 49er fan, the thing that you're looking at and you're saying to yourself is that possibly our quarterback of the future got his first full game action. And at the end of the day, regardless of, of how ugly the game is, regardless of what the team's schedules are, I mean, what the team records are, that your quarterback came in there, he moved the offense, and your team was able to walk away with the victory. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's two bad teams. There's not much. Trubisky, 12 for 15. You can play 12 passes and get 100 yards. Again, I said this, I think I said this before earlier. And this year, you know how hard it is to complete twelve passes and not go over and go for hundred yards passing. That 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 is pretty hard to do. Yeah, but I like what the Bears are doing as far as bringing him on. And what he's showing right now, twelve for fifteen, is he's showing a quarterback that's consistent. He's showing a quarterback that can be efficient. Um, yeah, he is a rookie, and he has to make the adjustment to the pro game. But I like what the Chicago Bears are doing. They're putting him in positions to be successful. I don't know how much you've seen of their running backs. They got two good running backs. Yeah. Cohen and Howard yeah. are good running backs. Yeah. Um, did you see uh, Cohen's uh, pump return or kickoff yeah, return? I saw that. Yeah. Man, the boy got some wheels. Video, man. video game. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm sitting there trying. I'm like, man, I was like, you know what? This dude's going like, the wrong direction by a lot of I don't know. That part I understood. That part I understood. 
I just didn't see that being the end result. I thought maybe he would gain maybe five yards or something like that. But uh yeah, he definitely had some giddy up. Yes, but, he did. But that that goes that that's and that was after running sixty seventy yards already. Yeah, but that goes to what I was saying about what the Chicago Bears are doing. They know that they're rebuilding their franchise. This is a building season for them, and I like the way they're going about doing it. They pretty much gave up everything to get Trubisky, and they're putting Trubisky in a position to be successful. He has two good running backs. Um, the Bears are playing pretty much with a, a, a whole new wide receiver core, especially when you look at the fact that Jeffries is out there in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like what the Bears are doing. Trubisky is 12-15. He's getting it together. This was really just a game for the quarterbacks, to be honest with you. A, uh, a young guy who gets his opportunity to play, and a guy who's with the Patriots who is possibly playing for his contract. Yeah. Who's playing for his contract. And mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's what you take out of this game. It's going to be interesting to see what Garoppolo gets. Because <coughs> the thing is, he's in a position, like, if he just strings together four solid games, mm-hmm. he's going to pick up $60, $70 million. Yeah. But if, think about this. If I backed up Tom four Brady, games. if I backed up Tom Brady, that is the game plan right there. That's what, that's, if you if you were in New England for a couple of years and you backed up Tom Brady, you were in quarterback meeting rooms with him. When you get your opportunity, it's going to come with it's going to come with a certain expectation. And then when when Tom was out, Jimmy steps in and he shows that he can move that team. Man, I tell you what, I, that's the optimum. That's that's pretty much the optimum uh, position to be in as a Tom Brady, not just a Tom Brady. Back up to a great having an opportunity. So when you look at this game, that's what I take out of these two games. These are two franchises who are rebuilding and and an off season that's going to be full of a whole of full of quarterback drama. I got a, we got a question here for you, Lamont. I don't even I don't want to uh mess up this guy's name, so I'll go with the middle name. Ace. Ace, yeah. Is that somebody you know? Yeah. Okay. Ace says, so why do so many NFL players smile and laugh on the field right after the game they just lost? I don't, I don't want to talk to anyone after I lose. Lamont, I never remember you smiling or joking mood after losing. So is it money? Is it because most see it as just a job? It bothers me. It bothers me a lot when I see that. I saw that after last night's physical game. I remember um, listening to callers on on the, on those games after the game. You hear them on the Redskins calling. And fans, everybody always wants the players. They're mad. The callers are mad. They're hot and they're livid and they want to fight somebody and they want to do this. And they really are bothered by players being friend, talking to other players after the games and, and, and smiling after a game or, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, it's huge. People just love talking about it. And, and, and I do know fans are highly upset about that. Um, I'll let you talk about it first and then I'll go after that. I um my running back coach Bobby Turner, this last running back coach I played with in, in the Broncos. He used to tell me he's like, yeah, I would always come up to you and say hi to you after the game, and you just always had this mean look on your face. You were never happy when we lost. <clears throat> trying to, I'm just gonna say, you can't look at another person, and it, I understand that you can look at me and say, you know, you know, I've never seen you smile. But that was just me as a competitor. There were games that, that I was part of. I mean, I've been part of a lot of losses where you did see me smile after a game. Oftentimes, I was smiling 
if there was a safety or somebody that especially Zach Thomas, I'll never forget. Every time we played the Dolphins, you know, whether win or lose, Zach and I would always find each other after at the end of the game and we tap each other up, we smile, we do all those things. Guys that you've gone to war against, I'm not gonna want to use the term go to war, but guys that you've competed against on a game day situation on that field and y'all were constantly banging, you know, the competitor in you, you're gonna smile. All right. The problem that I have with guys smiling is the guys who during the course of the game showed absolutely no effort and they played like they didn't care. That's the part that I don't like about the smiling. Uh, you may see guys smiling because they see an old teammate. Right. There's guys who are smiling because maybe this wasn't my old teammate that I played together in school, but Santana and I met at one of the, at one of the bowl games. And so those are the only times that you may see certain guys. So you see guys smiling for a number of different reasons. But let's make no mistake about it, that when you get back to the locker room and you're listening to the coach and when you sit at home alone and, and, and you really have to process that. And when you get into those meeting rooms and the big eye in the sky don't lie and everybody's watching and seeing that that you didn't put forth any effort. Now I'm gonna have an issue with now I'm gonna have an issue with the smiling. It's the guys who are smiling who during the course of the game just acted like they just really didn't play. They could care less if you won or lost. They just wanted the game to be over with. Um that's right. I mean you you, you that's that's your take on it. Um I mean when I say you hear the callers and they are they're really upset and they 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 want the the players to feel as upset as they do. Now a couple of things. One Everybody handles things differently. Some people have, you know, people are just different. So there's going to be guys who are highly upset. And then on top of it, there's going to be guys who, you know, just because you don't see them look upset doesn't mean they're not. Two, after the game. It happens more so in basketball, and everybody says this buddy-buddy thing. Um, newsflash, they are buddies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay? Like, they are they are buddies. Mm -hmm. you, you, all right? Like, so I hate to break it to you. you, you oh, he's over there shaking the hand. Well, you know, that might be his college roommate. That might be the best man at his wedding. You, you, you know what I mean? So, yes. Now, one of the fiercest competitors that anybody who ever lived, uh, Allen Iverson, he goes out there and he's going to pour it out his heart and soul on the court for 48 minutes. He's getting every single thing after everything he has. Mm -hmm. After the game, yes, he's going to dap up the opposing team. And he may smile. But trust me, it's not because he's happy with the result that they lost. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you left it all out on the field, you got the right to smile. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's at the end of the day, it's not nobody died. You know, mm -hmm. you, you played hard. You trained for this. You played. You left it on the field. And like you said, now when you go go back to work on Monday and you watch the film, might not be smiling in the film room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's me. Yeah, that's where I'd be more concerned. Yeah, You're like if players want to be judged for what a player looks like after the field, I don't really give a damn. Mm -hmm. And I, and not only that, a lot of the times, for example, me. Um, I fly out there. We live in Maryland. I fly out there to Oakland, and I'm there. And it's just me and you. You don't got. I came out here to see you. I'm not. We're not sitting in the house and you're pouting and crying, and I'm your best friend. And you know I'm going back home to Maryland tomorrow. What are we doing tonight? Oh, I'm sitting in the house. What? We're 25. You know what I'm saying? And 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 we're best friends. And you're here and you're flying out tomorrow. Let's go enjoy ourselves. You know what I'm saying? You go to work tomorrow and you get chewed out by the coach on Monday. And if you're in the meeting. Watch the film, <laughs> man. I missed that block. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, he sure did hit the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Then there's a problem. Yeah. But in, in terms of the after the game and this person smiling, I saw them at the club afterwards, and mm -hmm. I saw them having dinner, and they didn't. I mean, just because it ruined your dinner doesn't mean. I mean, they're just human beings. Yeah. I mean, I, the, there there were times that I smiled 
and we lost. But I was smiling because I was so happy to get out of the game healthy. Because it's not always the hard hits that everybody see that hurts. It's those things that, that, that happen that are real close that you don't realize. I mean, for me, being a, a, as a running back, being underneath of the pile, where you got, where you got like, you got two and three and, and four, you basically have over a thousand pounds on you. Okay. <laughs> You're, I'm under, there's times that I'm underneath of the pile and I just have to hold my breath because I can't breathe. The ball is sitting here. I can't move. I have over a thousand pounds on me, and I just have to sit there and wait for guys to 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 get off of you. There's times that you get hit play after play after play, and at the end of the day, there's times that you walk off of the game. There were times that that even though we lost the game, I'm smiling because I'm thinking about the fans. I'm thinking about the fact that dang man, we lost, but man, that was a good game right there. Just as a fan. So there are a multitude of reasons why why you see guys laughing at the end of the game. I would be more upset with the guys who are laughing and smiling that showed throughout the course of the game that they're going to put forth a minimum effort, that they can care less whether you win or lose. They just want to collect their paycheck, get their shares, get their likes, and and get ready for the, the, the post-game festivities. What if, Lamont, what about college? Was it different? College, I just, I, for me, the best time was when we were, my best moments in college was, on game day, that was it. So for me, it was just you know, it was once the once game day was over, it's like, well, back to study hall, right. back to tutoring, got to go lift some weights. Um, and so that's 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 what I, that's that's the way it was like. And in college, you know, sometimes where you come into games where you just you just know the guys are scared, and that's that moment where you know. You're happy to be competing against a number one, a number three, a number eight, and you start thinking about those moments opposed to the fact that you came into a game where you just had guys who just, you just know coming into the game, it's just like, man, they're scared. They want no part of this. Buccaneers at Packers, you get to see the full Jameis effect, full, not a bad game, um, not a great game. But like I told you, it's always going to be, if you watch Jameis, it's going to be this play in the game when you're like, dude, are you serious? And again, it, it normally has to do with him trying to keep a play alive. Mm -hmm. And this one, he's getting sacked, he's going down, and he just does one of these Brett Favre things. Where it's like he has a lot of Brett Favre, just not the successful side of Brett Favre. Okay, Brett Favre is going to do this, but he's also <laughs> going to throw five times a game. He's going to make a pass that only Brett Favre can make. You know what I mean? And he's going to do some things that you're like, did he really just look behind his head and throw the ball over? You know what I mean? Like, And you're just like, I mean, hey, that's Brett Favre. It's like Jameis Winston is giving us a lot of that and just not enough of the good Brett Favre. Mm -hmm. he, he trips and he's falling, and instead of just taking a simple sack, he throws the ball. Uh, some 300-pound lineman comes out of nowhere and takes it to the house the other way. And he's just like, Jameis, man, it's too much of that. It's, it's, it's just too much of that. So it's like there's uh, the backup guy there with the beard. What's his Fitz, name? Fitzpatrick. Yeah, does Fitzpatrick, is he, you know, is he lights out? Is he going, no, he's not. You know, and, that, and that's where these backup guys where you have, it's like, you know, the Case Keenum or like, are they going to make these plays that, wow, that was the most spectacular play? Probably not. But you know what else they're not going to do? They're not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you know, and it's like so many times it's like, all right, we're going in for a touchdown. Oh, we didn't get the touchdown. All right, I guess we'll get we'll settle for three. And then it's like, oh, just kidding, pick six. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then Jameis just keeps doesn't just like, oh, my bad, coach, my bad, coach, my bad. And it's like, yo, these these my bads have to stop. 
They, they just do. No, I'm with you. And uh, I, I was watching the game, and I think he was on a grill. And that's when Jameis, something happened with the handoff. And I'm sitting there like, what the heck is Jameis Winston doing? <laughs> and and I'm sitting there like, you know what? This is this is stuff that you talk about. This is stuff that, that I was talking about. And when you come into the league with the reputation that, that Jameis has, you have to realize that you're going to be under a microscope. You also have to realize that you're a black quarterback in the National Football League, so you're going to be under a microscope. All right? He just has to grow up. You've been saying that. Mm-hmm. You've been saying it all season long. He just has to grow up. People, he's trying to put himself in position to get his next contract. Okay? And right now, it's just things aren't looking good for him. You're a quarterback in the National Football League. Have been a starter since you got to the National Football League. People have big expectations for you. You've been handed the keys to the franchise as the quarterback. Can't keep having these same mistakes over and over again. Now you take the you take the mistakes that he's making on the field. You take what happened in the uh, I think the New Orleans game, mm-hmm. doing those things. Those aren't things that I want for my quarterback. Now Redskins fans, I'm, would you like Jameis Winston? <laughs> well, when I when I see Jameis, now the, the, there's so many things to like. Yeah. One from his ability wise, and two, when you see these plays. It's it, what I see is a guy who's also putting too much pressure on himself, like you said, to live up to these expectations. So, we we just talked in the last segment about guys not wanting. I don't think there's anybody on the field who wants to win more than James. Yeah. But you have to get that maturity level where you say, man, sometimes getting three is okay. Sometimes punting, putting them deep in their end zone is okay. It's like every play. He's trying to win the game on that play. It's the equivalent of a baseball player if you just swing it for the fences every single time. You're trying to hit a home run every single time instead of being like, dude, you're batting 190. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there are, and you can't hit every ball out the park. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when you look at James. You're like, you're, you're not going to make every single play. And sometimes you, he's not learning that part of the game. That's yeah. not what I'm seeing as a fan. No. I see too many times he's trying to win the game by himself. No, I mean he is. I think he is. Um. He just has to grow up. And I think the thing that that Jameis has to realize, and it's not just him. I just think that this is for every aspect in life. Be appreciative of what you have. Because he's, a, in my, as far as I'm concerned, he's a privileged quarterback. Coming into the season, you have a defense that people are looking at as a good defense. And as far as I'm concerned, I think the defense has played well enough for them to win. They haven't had any help from the offense. You look at the weapons that you have, you have Deshaun Jackson, you have Evans, and you have the muscle hamster in the backfield. And I want to say that they're starting and backup tight end on threats on that, on that mm-hmm. team. Absolutely. All right. So if he's not taking advantage of this situation right here with these weapons that he has, he needs to realize that he's about to put himself in a position that you're going to have absolutely nothing. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the grass is not green on the no, other side of this. When it comes to weapons, he's definitely he, blessed. He's, he's blessed when it comes to weapons. Absolutely. So this is why... The maturity process is vital for him now is because when you get into that situation where now your wide receivers are younger than you, now you don't have that veteran back. Now you're the veteran that everybody's looking towards. Um, he's going to have to minimize his mistakes, and he just he, he just can't continue to do that. So for him, it's just a matter of growing up. He just has to grow up. Um, the Bucks were out of the playoffs. Um, I, I do think it's important for these last four games to James to to show us something. I do think he needs to show us something to build going into the offseason. I think these next four games are going to be pretty telling. I, th- I think we'll find out what our future looks like over these next four games. If Winston can 
it's been an up and down season for him all all year long, on and off the field, mm-hmm. injury wise, stuff that's happened off the field. If he can finish up strong and get some momentum going into next season, good for him. If he goes out there and struggles and we lose the next four games, I think it's going to, the question marks are going to start coming out. We won the we won two or three of the games while you were out. Seems like we lose every game you play. Um, you know, it's it's going to be some question marks, and it's going to make for a, a long off season. I think regardless of what happens, that this needs to be a long off season for him. It's going to be longer. For the, <laughs> but, but, at, but at the end of the day, I, I think that when you look at just the history of black quarterbacks, I mean, Cam was doing well. And, and it's people always had something just negative to highlight about him. So, you know, you have to recognize, you, first of all, you're a quarterback. So you have to understand that when, from from a fan standpoint, agree from an organization, which is so much more expected, you have to understand where you are on 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 the eating toe. You have to understand where you are on the food line. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to mature. You know, he has to mature more. I mean, he has to. His team needs for him to mature more. And I think that the more that 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 from a from a personal from an inner maturity, I think the more he does that the less those mistakes on the football field are going to happen. So I think that for, for him, it's, everything is just pretty much on him. That's what it comes down to. Green Bay. You know how I feel about Green Bay. Hundley, somehow, Hundley throws 22 passes. Uh, he completes 13 passes, and he gets 84 yards passing. Um, throws one interception. He still walks away with a victory. Green Bay is holding on to hopes of, you know, if they can just somehow stay afloat. That they can, um, Aaron Rodgers is going to come back. Would you, if, would you, if you're the owner, you're the coach, you're any of that, would you risk putting Aaron Rodgers back for, let's say the last two games, you have like a very slim chance, because it's not going to be a clear cut. It's going to be like, you need to win, these people need to lose, and if that happens, then you can get it. And this is Aaron Rodgers. This is the most prized possession in football right now. MJ. My stance is, I don't think my stance has changed since Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Would you, do you, would you recommend that he go out there? If my team is in a position where if we went out, we make the playoffs, mm-hmm. and Aaron Rodgers tells me that he can go, guess what? Aaron Rodgers is going to go. Okay. That's what it comes down to. And you, I don't know who they play this upcoming week, but they're going to rally around knowing that there's a possibility. And I think the game that he's eligible to come back for, that he will come back for, is a game against the Carolina Panthers. I think it's like they had the Panthers left. Um, <clears throat> Detroit is the last game of the Detroit's season. Detroit's the last game of the season. And, uh, yeah. So, realistically, I mean, this team has a legitimate shot of making the playoffs. And I've told you that. I've said that, that if they can just, if they can stay close enough to where when Aaron Rodgers is ready to play, that they're still competing for a playoff spot, then Aaron Rodgers is going to play. The Green Bay Packers just have to win enough games to create that situation. Me? I, I, I just think he's too valuable. That's that's my opinion. Now, I, I get where you're looking at in terms of there's no team. If I have Aaron Rodgers, there's no team right now in the NFC that I'm like, ooh, I'm scared of. Yeah. So if I get a, if if you get a healthy Aaron Rodgers and we're in the playoff, I like our you know I feel like we have as good a shot as anybody. Mm-hmm. That being said, what, what I would not want to happen is Aaron Rodgers comes rushes back and you know and something doesn't go right. Yeah, but that's where you also trust Aaron Rodgers being a veteran that he is that he knows how to protect himself. 
And he's played hurt. You know, he's played hurt before. So it's not like we're talking about a guy who doesn't know how to play and play hurt. He can do that. And if the Green Bay Packers are in a position that if they went out, they're in the playoffs, which I believe if they went out, that they will make the playoffs. When you look at Atlanta, when you look at um, New Orleans, and you look at the Falcons, when you look at the Detroit Lions, if Matthew Stafford is hurt, that team is not going to make the playoffs. So that just opened up another playoff spot. So when you're talking about the last two playoff spots, for me, it's a four-team race. It's the Carolina Panthers. It's the Atlanta Falcons. It is the Seattle Seahawks. And it's the Green Bay Packers. I, I got Carolina spot locked up. And after what I saw Monday night, I'm, I'm pr I pretty much almost want to give Seattle that last spot. Um, there's, there's a shot. There's absolutely a shot. There's a shot. Me, personally, I think the Packers are done. Um, Texans versus Titans. It's like the Titans, man. Every time you look up, they're playing some sorry team and getting a win. Eight and four. The Texans, you know, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to say about either one of these teams. Um, really, the Titans, uh, as, far, as far as the Texans are concerned, we know their season was lost when Deshaun Watson got hurt. Um, when you look at playoff football, uh, you know, Tennessee Titans, they have a, they have a solid quarterback. They have a two-headed monster at the running back position. All right. It's really going to come down to whether or not, uh, they win the division. If they win a division, that means that they get a playoff game at home. I can see them winning that playoff game at home. All right. And they will play a team like a San Diego or something like that. But if they don't make the playoffs, <laughs> Uh, I mean, if they don't win the division, I can see them losing their first playoff game regardless of who they play. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, speaking of just juice, Broncos, Dolphins, the Broncos, again, at the beginning of the year, we were mentioning them on the, is it time to put them with the eight, you know, the Bears, the Ravens, the, the Buccaneers, those, those elite defenses. Is, are they there? Now it seems like every week they're just getting blown. That, that situation, Got really bad really fast. We have to go back to the film. I think I picked them to finish last in the division this, this year. I believe I went with Kansas City winning division. I thought it would come down to Kansas City and Oakland, and I thought the Chargers would be the third team that that qualified for the playoffs out of this division. With that said, when you lose your defensive coordinator, all right, um, you have you know you have no idea what's going on in in at the quarterback position. And and once again, you look at the fact if you look at the if you look at the black head coaches around the National Football League right now, with the exception of Mike Tomlin, all of them have come into situations that were pretty much they were they were ships that were already underwater. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the situation. I think that this is the Denver Broncos situation. You have no idea what's going on at quarterback. You just lost your defensive coordinator, which he his his defense alone brings attitude. Um, the thing is, I feel like they were ready-made. They just needed a quarterback. At the beginning of the year, right, I, I thought I expected them to not be as good because I just didn't think they had enough at quarterback. Mm -hmm. After the first three games, we're talking about Trevor Simeon and how great he is. And I say, hell, Trevor Simeon can manage the game. Mm -hmm. The defense is elite. They're going to be in some ball games, And everybody's saying, yeah, you know, Broncos, man. The question is, remember, we were wondering, hell, the AFC teams might get four teams in the playoffs. You know, they might get everybody in the playoffs. The whole conference is going on. The whole division is going to be in the playoffs. And then, all of a sudden, it's like the quarterback play goes down and down and down. Then, next thing you know, the defense is just this defense that we were calling lights out elite. They can't stop anybody. 
they, they can't stop anybody. And I do wonder how much of it is, is that the defense is being defeated by the offense in terms of, like, they, they're just so just defeated by the offense. Yeah. I mean, Brock Osweiler, you bring Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler is arguably the worst football player to ever grace the NFL. <laughs> There's just, I mean, to ever grace the NFL, any position. I mean, the guy is that bad. And when he gets under there, I mean, not a chance of hell do they stand in winning. I, you know, I don't know what's going on with Paxton Lynch. You know, if week one they were talking about him playing. We're now in week 12. No sign of the guy. Uh, no, he started. Uh, he played the game. Uh, he started, I want to say he started the last game and then got benched. Okay. Uh, then they brought then they brought in uh, Os- Osweiler. Yeah, they had no when idea you lose, when you lose your defensive coordinator, it's going to make it tough on your defense. That's the when you, and, it's not and, the first defense coordinator to ever leave. But it's but it's not one of the first defensive coordinators to ever leave. But he is one of I'm going to say probably one of the top two three best defensive coordinators in the National Football League. And I want to say that he's had that reputation as a defensive coordinator for a very long time. And and so. You know, when you talk about the whole Peyton Manning era, if I'm not mistaken, he was a defensive coordinator. I believe him and uh, I think Jack Del Rio at one point were defensive coordinators. But Wade Phillips as a defensive coordinator has just been, he's been lights out. Look at the Los Angeles at the Los Angeles Rams. Do, is it time to put Elway on the hot seat? Not on the hot seat, but Elway needs some blame? No. 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 <laughs> it's, 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 you don't, you don't, no. Okay. You just, no. You just, it's, this is part of what the franchise is going through. This is what it comes down to. And if you look at it, this has been the history of teams that Peyton Manning has played for that he has left. Okay. Um, the Dolphins. I don't know what you... John Carlo, you're out there. I'm sure, what do you want to say? What, what, what does John Carlo have anything to say about his Dolphins who he had predicting running the table and, vic- and winning all the games and doing all that stuff? AP, what's up, buddy? AK, what's up, buddy? Uh, James, we actually just finished doing the, uh, the Buccaneers. And in a nutshell... Uh, it was about a five-minute conversation. I'll just sum it up with this. Uh, Jameis needs to grow up. <laughs> that, was, that was the extent of our uh, breakdown on the Bucks. that Jameis needs to stop doing those uh, silly things like that interception that was uncalled. That was just unwarranted and, and cost us the game. Um, not much to say about these uh, those two teams. That's what I can tell you about the Broncos and Dolphins is that neither one of them will be playing in the playoffs. Um, Chiefs, Jets, the Chiefs, all right? Like... Wow. Two years ago, I think it was, the Falcons started off 5-0 and and 6-0, and 6-1, and and they never won another football game. The Chiefs are closing in on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they started off 5-0 and or 6-0, and and they cannot buy a win right now. And the Jets were one of the teams that you would have thought, okay, at least the Chiefs can get back on track here. Uh-uh. Um... Alex Smith got back on track. He got four touchdowns. The offense put up 31 points. I didn't even think the Jets were capable of scoring 38 points. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs are in trouble, dude. For this game, I got to go back and check the video. I think I picked the Jets in this game. Um, I wouldn't have. I mean, I, th- I figured that was the one that the Chiefs needed to get back on track. But uh, if the Chiefs ain't going to win there, I'm not so sure where they're going to win. You know, the Jets have been a team all season long that, I mean, it's like up and down. They've been up and down. They've played some great games against teams that you thought that they were going to get blown out by, uh, the Chiefs being one of them. Um, and the Jets folks have shown life. They have a three-headed monster. They got Matt Forte back um, for this game. And uh, I just really think that this game comes down to uh, the Chiefs' defense allowing the Jets to do what they did. Whatever they want. 
Yeah, I mean, they pretty much did whatever they wanted to. Uh, that boy Anderson out there in New York, uh, you think about the fact that they have curse. They actually got some players out there on that Jets team. It's just a matter I don't of want to take anything away from the Jets, and, you know, that that's <laughs> fine. The Chiefs are supposed to be on a whole nother level, Yeah, they're and supposed, they're not. They're supposed to be on a whole nother level, but what they've proven over the last few weeks is that they are not that team that, that they were at the beginning of the season. They are not that team. So we have to look at them for the reality of where they are right now. And where they are right now is a team that, that at one time pretty much had the division on lock to being a team that may not even qualify for the playoffs. With that said, that is still a very, very dangerous team. That, that Chiefs team is still a very, very dangerous team that I won't count out yet. Your last year in Denver <coughs> started out 6-0? and Yeah, we were 6-0. And I don't think you got did what you guys win? One one more game or maybe no more games? Um I think we won one. Maybe one game. I can't remember. Whatever we'll the case. I man. think we beat Cleveland and somebody <laughs> Cleveland. <laughs> so you start off six and no and you're already uh this isn't even just a figure of speech. You and I literally were already talking about what we're gonna do in playoffs come around. You know what I mean? Like six and oh you you're thinking about playoffs. Which, I mean, that's that's just the reality of it, right? I mean, everybody may lie to you and tell you, we take it one game at a time and all of that. But if you're 6-0, you're thinking, all right, what are we going to do playoffs? Where do we want to go? What, what would be bad? Da, da, da. When you start losing that many games in a row, do you guys start looking around like, this ship is sinking and there's nothing we can do about it? I mean, that, that's got to be just a really hard feeling when to just to build up, to go so high as 6-0, 5-1, 4-0, whatever the case may be, and just... Just keep week by every week. It just keeps coming down, coming down, coming down. And I have to think at a certain point, you're going into the games almost hoping that you don't lose. Um, I know when it comes down to that season, when I look, when I think about my last year, one of the first things that I thought was that as a person who played um, in New England, when Coach, uh, when Josh was there as offensive coordinator, I know what he was bringing to Denver. So as a player, I know that I could have did a better job of, of leading with regards to making sure that other guys understand what this thing is really about. When it comes down to it is we started feeling ourselves. All right. Guys started. We, we got away from what got us there. And at the end of the day, we got comfortable. And that's the difference between, um, you know, that's the difference between the Patriots and a lot of these other teams that the Patriots understood and the players who play in New England understand that this thing is from start until the end of the season. Not just, oh, we start out well and we have to pick it up. Um, you, you look at yourself as players and it's like, I mean, I thought, to be honest with you, I thought we had a Super Bowl. We beat the Cowboys. We beat uh, the Patriots that year during our six and zero run. And when we beat the Patriots, I said, that's the test right there. Right. That's how we know who we are. We got Champ Bailey as a corner. We got Brian Dawkins at, at, at safety. Um, I mean, we got weapons on offense. Kyle Orton is our quarterback and who does a great job. We had a three-headed monster in the backfield. I mean, you, I mean, you had all that you need to, to win it. We just started feeling ourselves. And as far as it, but the difference between us and the Kansas City Chiefs are the Kansas City Chiefs are a franchise that's playing with a head coach that's been there for a while. So with them changing offensive coordinators, which, for me, that shows some accountability on Andy Reid's part. Uh, it's just one of those things as players, you just have to truly believe that you all are the best team in this division. 
And and you just have to get your act together. But something is going on. You saw the boy Peters throw the flag in, in the end zone. Right now, that thing is looking real Cincinnati-like out there in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you're Andy Reid and, and, and you're in the Cincinnati, uh, the Kansas City organization, you don't want that. You don't I like that, that real Cincinnati look. It's like it's just like a, a chaos, right? Yeah, it's just, every, yeah, it's just every, everybody just, looks frustrated with yeah. everybody, right? Yep. And that's what that's what happens when you lose six or seven in a row. You know, everybody starts. Getting a little chippy and a little testy, and um, I, I I really wasn't seeing. I didn't see this. I I thought what they did, and like you said, I think it probably. I think of everybody when you get to a certain point in the year and you have a certain amount of wins. Whenever New England comes into town, it just happened to be them for a year. Everybody treats New England like the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So it's like once you beat New England, we made it. You, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's like you start off, we beat New England. Psh, we win five rows. Like man, what this is us? This is our year. We already beat. The, the New England is the benchmark. That, that's who you met. That's the measuring stick. And you beat New England in New England mm-hmm. by playing their way, their style of football. Mm-hmm. And you know they start feeling like, okay, we're, we're here. And then it's just like, boom! I think you just start dropping your eye on the ball, and then you lose the first game. I think which was a tough, tough team. You know they beat Philly, they beat New England. Then you lose a tough one, and then all of a sudden, next thing you, know, you look up and it's like we're losing to everybody. Yeah. We almost lost to the Redskins. Like, we're literally just losing to everybody we play every week. And it looks like a nosebleed. And I don't know if there's enough tissue or paper towel to stop the nosebleed. You know what I mean? And that's when, like you said, people start players throwing flags back. And, and, and it just looks, it's coming undone, man. It, it's, it's really, yeah. it's, it's really coming undone. We get into an AK. Please cut it out, man. <laughs> the, um, cut it out. Uh, what's our next game, Boogie? Um, it my screen frozen? Is I gotta bring that screen back up. Chargers, Cleveland. Cleveland, man. Chargers, Cleveland. As far as this game is concerned, um, I'm just happy to see. You know, I've been. I'm. You know, I'm a huge Philip Rivers fan. That's right. And he's a quarterback that just man. You talking about injuries after injuries? Uh, I'm happy to see them in a position that they're actually fighting for a playoff spot. Cleveland, you know, they are who they are. They're the Cleveland. <laughs> um, I just really think that this game was all about the, the, the Los Angeles Chargers continuing that win streak. Okay, because we're not going to spend much yeah, time talking yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, that's fine. I'll give you that. <laughs> the Browns is going to lose every game. Good to see, uh, what's his name back? Hopefully he gets out of there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, Josh Gordon. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see him. Glad he's back. Him back. Um, Ravens Lions. <laughs> At the beginning of the year, we were saying, you know, the Ravens had a shot. Midway through the season, they got they got destroyed. It was like forty four nothing against the Jags. Oh, yeah, sorry, lost to the Steelers. Like it just wasn't looking good. Um, the Ravens are quite as kept at seven and five, and they're in December and they're playing good football at the right time. Yeah, you know they're they're, they're playing they're <coughs> playing good football at the right time, and all season long everybody talks about the Patriots need to worry about the Steelers. Uh, you might need to worry about the Ravens. The Ravens have always. Played New England tough. Always. Yeah, the Ravens have always played New England tough, but like all I mean, they got in their in their little history, like I mean, they got some games decided by field goals, and we're talking about field goals by like a millimeter to the yeah, left, a yeah. millimeter to the right. Yeah. One of them we still don't know if it went over the goalpost, you yeah. know what I mean? Like they they give New England they play New England tough. They do they play New England tough. Um but this Ravens team doesn't come with the calibers that the other Ravens teams. Have. I, I, it's, it's, it's a different, it's, it's a different, a different environment. And if you're the New England Patriots and you go up by ten points on this Baltimore Ravens team, that game is over. I agree. So, um, you know, as the far Ra- as the Ravens concerned, I know for majority of the season you were saying they were done. 
And they looked like a bad football team. They did. They looked like a really bad football team. And I think that right now the, the, the Ravens are benefiting from a whole lot of bad football teams. I agree too. Uh, especially in the, in, in the, uh, NFC, I believe it's the South. Uh, with, maybe they're playing that division. Jacksonville, Tennessee, yeah, and that, right, that right, division, right. NFC South, they're benefiting from that. But at the end of the day, they just continue to find ways to win games. It's not like they beat a, a bad team. They beat a Detroit Lions team that's that's fighting for, just fighting to hold on to a playoff spot. Which I don't think they're going to hold on to, especially if 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 uh, <clears throat> if Bradford uh, ends up missing some serious time. I think they can definitely cancel that. Yes, curtains for them. I mean, even if he misses one game. Um, but the Ravens, like they, they're hot at the right time. So I mean, it, it, it's time to start taking notice of them. Um, Colts Jaguars. The Jaguars won another game. They are now eight and four. The Colts are just not a good team. They are lottery bound. If this was the NBA, but they will get a high pick. Uh, just hope they use it right, and I hope that uh, there's a lot of question marks in, in, in Indiana. And the number one starts with what the hell is going on with Andrew Luck and his health. Um, but the Jacksonville, their defense. I heard the numbers on this morning. They're number one in just about every category there is across the board. Their secondary is is, is really good, probably the best in the NFL. <coughs> they stop people. They can run the ball. And if you can ask Blake Bortles to do a little as little as possible, um, you know, Jags are going to be a problem. If somebody has to go there in the playoffs and play them, you know. Good luck to them. That's not going to be a... Somebody has to go there and play them. Yeah. Somebody's definitely going to have to go there. And that's not going to be a good look for them. Now, are they a team that I can see winning three or four games in the playoffs getting hot? I'm not saying that. Not with Blake Bortles there. Um, But, I mean, give the ball to Fournette as much as you possibly can and let the defense do what they do. I mean, when you have a defense that good, you're always going to be in games because you're going to be down with so many points. But you just got to keep the ball out out of Blake Bortles' hands. Yeah, it's going to be, I think, looking at this Jacksonville game, I think in the first round, if they qualify, I wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, the Baltimore Ravens playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, in, in the first round of the playoffs. I think that would be interesting to watch. And I think that the big test for... I think that will be boring as hell to watch, but go ahead. I mean, <laughs> it's playoff football. Right. At the end of the day, right, it's playoff right, football. Right, right, right. you got Tom Coughlin down in Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a very physical defense. The Baltimore mm-hmm. Ravens, you know, they're known for their defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just think that it would be a, a much... I think it would be a better game than the 44 to nothing or 44 to 6 game mm-hmm. that Jacksonville put up on them. With that said... Blake Bortles, 26 for 35, 309 yards, two touchdowns, and no interception. Now, granted, he did have a fumble that he recovered. If the Jacksonville Jaguars can get that out of Blake Bortles, that's a team that, that I mean, that's a team that's dangerous. I still, I don't think that they'll beat the Patriots, but I think that this is a team that can beat the Steelers if you're going to get that from Bortles. With that said, you're not going to get that. you're going to get that from Bortles. With that said, you you're got not it. going to get that you from Bortles. You got it once. You're he not going to the, get that from He got that out of the system. And really what this comes down to for Jacksonville is that you just enjoy the season that you're having because I wouldn't be surprised if depending on – I, I could care less who they play in the first round of the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jacksonville Jaguars lost that game. No, no, and that's assuming that they're going to finish. They're going to finish out and win the division. Beat Tennessee out for the uh, for the division. The Raiders and the Giants. Okay, we <laughs> sat here last week and while we were doing the show, it went across the screen that the Giants benched uh, Eli Manning, and I thought to myself, that's not a family you want to cross, right? Uh-huh. So as we were sitting here last week, the head coach and GM thought it would be a good idea to bench Eli Manning. One week later. 
Guess who doesn't have a job? <laughs> the coach and the GM no longer have a job, right? Eli took the put, took the high road publicly. Hey, you know, I'm not happy, but I'm just here mm-hmm. for the team. Behind behind the scenes, dad, fix this. Mm-hmm. Calls Olivia Pope, <laughs> you know, from Scandal. And, and next thing you know, the GM and the coach are done. No job. One week. That's all it took. <laughs> one week. You benched, you benched him for one week, mm-hmm. and you lost your job. Like, that fast. Um... The the move reeked of desperation. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy and that family are just way too powerful and respected for that to happen. Like it, it you you know, it's that wasn't going to work. Not for Geno Smith. If they benched him for golf, they benched him for you know, there's somebody that they had drafted in the first round, and it's like, hey, we got to see what we're going to do life after and the Peyton Manning situation. If they benched that the, with the Colts. Let Peyton Manning go after a broken neck, and they got Andrew Luck. <laughs> okay, that's the type of situation that you say, you know, it's time to move on. Uh, Eli's healthy, and you said we're going to start you with Geno Smith. We're going to place you with Geno Smith. Now, let's look at Geno Smith. Geno Smith's career never really got a shot to get off the ground. Geno Smith was surrounded with no running back, no offensive line, and no receivers in the city of New York. And he failed. So his second chance, what does he get? No running back, no offensive line, no receivers in New York. Mm-hmm. Same stadium, same situation. Nothing has changed, okay? Like, it, it's literally the exact same. So if I'm Geno Smith, like, yeah, I know how this story ends. I've already had it. You know, I've, I've already seen this movie. Mm-hmm. Me with a bad, this, that's not a, even a fair, because none of this was fair to Geno Smith. None of this. This whole scenario. The team isn't good. There's no weapons. And, oh, by the way, you're replacing a guy that has won two Super Bowls and everybody on this current team wants to play for him mm-hmm. and former players and the city. So it's like Geno Smith set up to fail. You want to talk about how Kirk Cousins That is the definition of set up to fail. Yeah. You know, this teammate's looking at you like, hey, good job, man. We still want Eli. You know what I mean? Like, no matter what he did. So anything short of him going out there and, you know, bombs away, seven touchdowns, blah, blah, he could have won the game. And had a mediocre game that it'd be like, I mean, that's great, but this is Eli's team. He, yeah. he literally got handed Eli's team. It, it's, it's like, you know, you, you driving somebody else's car and they still have their license and registrations in the club box. It's still their car. You know, so Geno Smith, they asked him to bring the car around. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but that's, that's Eli's, that's Eli's team. And, uh, Geno's put in a bad position, position. The coach and the GM were desperate. We're trying to figure out anything. Anytime you're trying to figure out anything and Geno Smith's name comes up in the debate. Now, and it's not even a knock on Geno Smith, but you don't bench Eli Manning for Geno Smith. You, you just don't. I, um, I was listening when the news broke on TV and, um, you know, the president said it was pretty much on him. You know, if you want to blame somebody, blame him. I think, and he agreed on the pulling of Eli. If I'm, if I'm hearing what he said correctly. But doesn't but he have to say that? Wanted, but what, say it again? Don't you have to say that? You said, don't you have to say that? Well, I mean, but I, I continued listening on to what he said. And, and um, from my understanding, it was just, it, it was some lost communication where basically he wanted the coach to have some leeway or be a little more lenient on when he took Eli out. With that said. Um, from my understanding was that it was brought to Eli. Like, you're going to start because they want to keep your little streak intact. Yeah. But Gino's going to come in the second half to which Eli's like, I don't want to play football. 
no one I'm, this isn't the preseason no <laughs> he said so what do I because I heard you know, he's like so what I go in there I play knowing that I'm going to come out yeah. in the second half he's like I don't, I don't want to play football like that yeah yeah I mean, but that's what the owner was speaking on when he was like that his thinking was that Eli would go out there and play so well that you wouldn't want to have to, that you wouldn't take him out of the game at the end of the day the way it was done was bad I don't think that Gino was put in a bad position Gino was put in a position First of all, Gina was, a good team. First of all, Gino was put in a bad position because you're backing up Eli Manning. How many games has Eli <laughs> Zero, obviously. So, so I think that this is a good position for Gino because it gave him an opportunity to get some film on himself okay. in a bad situation. In a bad situation. And people get an opportunity to see what he can do with that bad situation. So that game, you know, it, it really just depends on how other GMs and, and scouts view that game. But I think that it was a good situation for Gino because it gave him an opportunity to get out there on the field, showcase what he can do. With From the, that perspective, with the fine. That he yes. plays well. Uh, with that said, um, from all that, yes, like anytime you get a chance to play, that's good. Yes, yeah, I mean, but but that's what I'm saying. I don't think that Gino was put in. First of all, Gino put himself in a bad position by going to New York. And, he back, and I mean, he was already there back, but it's probably the only team that wanted to give him a shot. <laughs> right. Um, but I just think, man, you know, the Giants are the Giants. The Raiders, they're still fighting for the division. It's good to see Marshawn Lynch with 17 carries with 101 yards and and. and to be honest with you, I think that the Raiders are going to have to do more of that. You're going to have to feed Marshawn this ball. You're going to have to feed him more yards. I mean, feed him the ball more to if you're going to be successful. With that said, um, last four games for the Raiders at Kansas City, mm-hmm. Cowboys come to them at Philadelphia, Chargers. That's a lot. At San Diego, excuse me, or whatever the yeah. Chargers playing now, LA, or whatever the case may be. At the Chiefs, mm-hmm. I mean, assuming the Chiefs. There's a possible. I don't know what's going to happen, okay? <laughs> but because we have no idea what Chiefs team, well, we would certainly not be surprised if the Chiefs snap out of it and beat them, right? At the Eagles, at San Diego, at the Chargers, and at home against the Cowboys, uh, that's not a good look. I mean, they're in a position. If they win four games, I, that'll put them in probably. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I don't. I can easily see them going over four. I really think that it's it's going to come down to what they do against the guys, the two teams that they play in their division, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chargers. Those other games is really not going to matter because if you look at the Chiefs and you look at the Chargers, they 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 play some teams who they outside their conference that you look at and you say, you know, that's going to be a tough game for them. So, but the AFC West is really going to come down to what these teams do against one another. AFC West is, you know, so at the beginning of the season, we're pretty much drawing straws about who's going to win it. Yeah. And now it's a yeah. division that nobody wants to win. I mean, at one point, we thought, we came in thinking that maybe it was the, it was the toughest division in right, football. Right, right. And now just nobody wants to win. They just all just take turns losing every week. <laughs> because the team, even early in the year, you're like, okay, I'm done with the Chargers. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that ship is sailed. Yeah. And then it's like, just kidding. Nobody else wants to win any games except yeah. for the Chargers. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. they have as good a chance as anybody. They're the only team right now that can say that they're winning football games. Mm-hmm. Everybody else in the division is losing and losing bad. I agree with you. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, that that's crazy. Uh, the Raiders have been the biggest disappointment probably of the season so far. Uh, Panthers, Saints, uh, great game. One of the yeah. better games of the season. Uh, we got two teams that, I mean, battling. I think both of these teams will be in the playoffs. Uh, this is just which one of them is going to be the division champion, which one is going to be a wild card. Um, Saints, man, that what they are doing over there, running the ball. And, and, and you see the running backs. This is what you wouldn't have gotten with AP. I'm sure you see them doing their interviews together after the, after the game. Mm-hmm. They, they're a unit. Mm-hmm. They, they're they're real one two punch. They yeah. look like they enjoy each other. Um, 
I don't get the feeling that uh, Kamara is, is is gunning for Ingram's job per se like that. Like he's, I mean, he looks like he's happy with his role. Um, he's getting touches and he's getting yeah. touchdowns. And the Saints of all teams are playing defense and running the ball. And Drew Brees is kind of like, like I said, is is that ace in the hole that you just keep it in your pocket, mm-hmm. and, and at any given time you could pull it out. You know, he was the quarterback in in case of emergency, break glass and use, and that's what they used against the Redskins. You know, it was like, oh, we're down. It's like put in put in Drew Brees mode, and you know, yeah. and then he goes eleven for eleven and sends it home. And then, then now they get back to their running game, and they're just running, 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 and and when and when in doubt, running some more. 28 runs. I picked um, I picked the uh, Panthers in this game, and I thought it would come down to the, to the Panthers being more physical than the Saints, and I thought the Panthers would be able to stop the Saints' run game. Um, with that said, they just couldn't stop the Saints' backs as a whole. All right, um, the Kamara dude, he had um, he had a hundred. Not yeah, hundred. He had hundred yards. He had one hundred twenty-two yards yeah, he had a, total. Well, okay, I'm looking at the seal. I'm looking at 126 mm-hmm. uh, down here. When you're getting that many yards from your backfield and they're doing it rushing and passing, it makes it very hard for your defense to stop them. And the Saints, man, are looking like a, a – I mean, the Saints are looking good, man. They, It's good to see the Saints and to see the balance that they have. And Drew Brees, he's not throwing interceptions. They're a rookie, rookie running back, mm-hmm. Kamara. He's averaging seven yards a carry. And that's on 86 carries. So that's not like we're talking about a guy who's got 10 carries on a year. Mm-hmm. 86 yard, 86 carries is a lot of carries. He's averaging seven yards a pop with mm-hmm. seven touchdowns. And he's got another 60 receptions out of the backfield with four touchdowns. Like, you know, if I told you at the beginning of the year, man, the Saints are going to be uh, a running team. They're not going to be dominant. You'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. They did pick up Adrian Peterson. Like, that's why I picked them to win yeah. the division. And because of that. Yeah. No, they're a running team. Yeah. They don't got a damn thing to do with Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, ever since, remember when Adrian Peterson, they let him go or he got traded, whatever the situation was, in his first week over there in Arizona, he gets 140 yards <coughs> rushing, everybody's saying, boy, the Saints, man, they're dumb, they just didn't know how to use them. Saints don't look so dumb now. Well, that same week, the Saints, uh, both of them had 130, 130 or something yards. like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so. so while I say the backup running backs averaging 70 yards carry, Mark Ingram has carried the ball 180 times, mm-hmm. and he's averaging 5 yards a carry with 9 touchdowns. And 42 receptions. Like, this This is this Saints team is built like no other. You know what it reminds me of? Remember Leighton Elway's career? Remember Elway did all the passing, all the years, passing, 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 passing. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he was just a little less, a little less, a little less. And then there was this guy named Terrell Davis. And then there was his defense. And they just said, Elway, every once in a while, can you make a play? And he said, you're damn right I can. <laughs> <laughs> you're damn right I can. Mm-hmm. To the tune of two more touchdowns, mm-hmm. right? Now, neither one of these guys, per se, are doing what Terrell Davis is doing, but together they are. Mm-hmm. And, and and Drew Brees is still, like you said, when it's necessary, he'll be able to do it. And and they no longer need 400 yards and four touchdowns from Drew Brees. And this reminds me a lot of those last two Super Bowls for, uh, for John Elway. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. You see that change of tide, but I think what you're seeing right here with the with the New Orleans Saints offense is you're seeing the creativity of Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. Right, you have a two-headed monster. It reminds me of when the Saints had Reggie Bush. The things from a passing standpoint that the Saints were able to do with Reggie Bush, um, they're able to do with uh, with Kamara. Now you have Mark Ingram in there now, who 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 pretty much now he you know he done found his big boy pants. 
And and he, I mean, he's looking like the Mark Ingram that came out of Alabama. Right. I'm very happy for him. Um, and, but, and John Carlos' point, and I think this is a point that's going to come up sooner than later, and it reminds me of uh, Lendell White, uh, Chris Johnson. He said, at what point, though, how do you take Kamara off the field when you see what he's doing? Like, he is, he's killing it. And like I said, it reminds me a lot of uh, when it was Lendell White, and he was running, and he was doing his thing, and... Um, Tennessee mm-hmm. and Chris Johnson was just the feature back and it was like I mean it was this you know the third down back and it was like man this Christian had a hell of a dynamic duo and it's like yeah but Chris Johnson's on a whole nother level mm-hmm. and that's what I'm starting to see here too like this dude Camaro like he only gets the ball seven eight nine times times ten times a game but he makes something happen when he's on there the way you take him off the field is Mark Ingram is your starting running back uh, I believe Kamara uh, Kamara is a rookie yeah and he's a tough runner for a small guy you don't want him constantly running up in between the tackles, doing the things that Mark Ingram does. So he creates a great one-two punch for for them, and and it gives. It, it, that's what I'm saying. It goes back to the creativity of of Sean Payne, of Sean, which Payne. has already had this with another guy by the name of Reggie Bush. That's what I'm saying. He had Reggie Bush, right? But when Reggie Bush was there, they didn't have that back that was going to be between the tackles, right? But now that you have Mark Ingram, you have you have Alvin back there. Um, now you got that two-headed monster because right. he's a guy who shows that he's tough. And the difference between him and Reggie Bush is that when you bring him in the game, he's still going to run between the tackles. He's going to run hard between the tackles. Early on in Reggie Bush's career, he was all about getting to that edge, trying to use his speed. So I mean, they they got a, they have a two-headed monster back there. I thought Carolina was going to win this was going to win this game. I just didn't think that, especially the way Carolina was playing of late. I didn't think that that New Orleans, from a physical standpoint, was going to be able to uh, to, to beat Carolina. But the the, the Saints have proven that, that that they're real. They're they're yep, one of the are. more balanced teams in they the are. national football. I thought this was a coin flip game, and the home team won. You know, I, I I thought it was. There's nothing that I don't think the Panthers showed anything where you're like, man, this back to John board. Like I yeah. just lost to a good team at home. Yeah, happens. Um, Rams Cardinals. Rams just keep rolling. Cardinals not a good football team as of today. Um, not gonna spend much time on that. Rams have been one of the most consistent teams all year long. They're nine and three. They got lots of weapons. They're winning. They'll be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They'll have a home game. They might even have a bye. Yeah, but that Seattle team is starting to look good. Mm-hmm. And they're only one game under mm-hmm. But uh um, mm-hmm. I, I think personally, I think the representative of the NFC when it comes to the Super Bowl is gonna come out of this division. Whether it's the Seahawks or the Rams, whether it's the Seahawks, I, whether it's no, the Seahawks or the Rams, no disagreeing with that. Even know what my stance has been with the Seahawks yep. all year long. Yep, I can care less what they look like during during the regular season. If Russell Wilson is healthy and he's able to use his legs, because if you really think about it, when Seattle and, and I think we're going to Seattle next, when Seattle was winning, it's because Russell Wilson was using his legs. I've said it for years. I think that he's a quarter. He's a wide receiver friendly quarterback because he throws the ball in areas and in positions that his wide receivers can actually go up and make a play. Let's transition right now into because that's the next game. Like mm-hmm. you said, is the um we could pretty much do these games together. Actually, is the Eagles Rams? Uh, AK, I know you're Eagles fans. What did I say? Eagles Rams. Sorry, Eagles uh, Seahawks. AK, whatever your comment is, what's your comment about the 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 Eagles and um. Like, I, I think the, and I'll just say this, and we'll, we'll make sure we'll get your comment in there. There's a couple of other Eagles fans out there. Um, I've said it all year long. I felt like the Eagles are that team. I tell you every year, I feel like there's that team where everything lines up properly for them. Mm-hmm. Last year, the, the Cowboys and the Falcons, everything lined up properly for them. Mm-hmm. The year before that, it was Carolina. Everything rolled up properly for them, you know, in terms of 
Everybody else in the division is hurt. You're healthy. The the Redskins have no idea what they're doing at quarterback. Um, excuse me. The Giants have no idea what they're doing at quarterback. They lose all three receivers. They don't. They're done. Uh, the Cowboys are hit with Sean Lee. Can't stay healthy. Ezekiel Elliott gets suspended. The suspension is actually looming over the top of that team all year long. They lose a a key piece of the offensive line. Um, questions about that. Da da da. They're dealing with that. Redskins. We've already talked about all the different things that the Redskins are dealing with. Meanwhile, the Eagles are just. They're picking up players in the offseason. You know, this other guy almost led the NFL, NFC in rushing, AFC in rushing last year. We just add him over as another piece. You know what I mean? They lost a tackle. That's cool. Other than that, the Eagles have just been rolling. And when you watch the Eagles game, it's like everything, they're always playing ahead. Okay. That year before when we saw Cam and, 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 uh, Carolina was rolling, that was the thing is that once Cam and that Carolina offense got ahead, once they were rolling, that's impossible to stop. You know, that, that's when all of a sudden you're thinking, dude, dude, oh, look, Ted Ginn's open. Oh, look, uh, Greg Olson's open. Oh, wow, Cam just ran for 70. It's like, Jesus, man, it's, it's, you know, that's when you're on the boat and there's a leak here, there's a leak there, there's a leak everywhere, and everything starts rolling. And that's how the Eagles were starting to look. You know, like Eric Blunt's picking up eight yards of carry. He, you know, blah, blah. Then Ajay comes in and, you know, for, oh, I'm only going to get three carries. All three of them are going for 70 yards. You know what I mean? Like, these are things that are unsustainable. Mm-hmm. He's not going to have 25 yards of run. Mm-hmm. That's just not going to happen. Wentz is, you know, oh, we thought we had him sacked. Just joking, he's 90-yard run. You know, like, everything was lining up for the Eagles. My question was, what's going to happen the first time they get punched in the mouth and they're down? And that was the question I had that year with um with uh with Carolina. What's going to happen when somebody starts hitting camp and everything isn't dad and, and Superman? And, and what's going to happen then? When we see him play from behind, when, what, what is he going to do when everything's not going his way? Last year when I'm watching the Super Bowl, the Falcons and the game, they got an early lead. They got some what was it, turnover, a special teams play, and they got an early lead. And they're playing with house money, and everybody's open, and Lou Jones making. I remember at a certain point in the game where any, uh, excuse me, the Patriots had scored like two times in a row. And I said to the person I was watching the game with, I said, this is going to be the first time that Matt Ryan takes the field in this game where there's pressure on him. Mm-hmm. Because you know. If he doesn't score in this draft, that's going to be four times in a row that they score. Yes. And so, and what happens in that one? Miss thing, boom, from mm-hmm. game over. Because it's a different, it's a, it's a completely different feeling when the momentum's on one side. I'm watching this Eagles game, and I wanted to know what would happen if somebody came out, jumped out on them early, and everything wasn't working. You know, can you grind up these teams? It's funny how we always say things about like. The, the Ravens, I'm like, man, some ugly wins, but, but they win these games, right? They win these these ten seven ball games. They win these games where, oh my God, special teams return a block punt, a this da 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 da. And the question is, can the Eagles do that? And I don't think they can. I think this is good for last year when the Cowboys were winning, and it was just Zeke is running for nine yards a carry. Everything Dak does work. The offensive line is the greatest thing ever assembled. It was like, man, what's going to happen when everything doesn't work though? Mm-hmm. And um, the Seahawks are a team that are one of those teams that are scrappy, scrappy. They find ways to win games that everything isn't working. Matter of fact, how many times have we seen the Seahawks in a game where it's like, how the hell are they even still in this game? And then they win. You know what I mean? So Seattle got up on on, on the Eagles, got out on them early. And Carson Wentz and these boys had to, excuse me, um, yeah, Wentz, this is the first time they got punched in the mouth. And they said, let's get up off the canvas and show what we can do. And And they didn't. And you know what? Uh, it's not something I'd say I panic on, and it's not. I don't think it's anything like uh, they put out the blueprint on them. All you need to do is get up on them fourteen nothing. Like that's not a very easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. 
um, and that comes with time. And, and I think that part of being a rookie is that. And that's one of the reasons that I'm a little bit skeptical about. Um, I have the same skeptical feelings about Wentz that I do about golf. You know, it's that and I think the Rams and the Eagles are two great teams that are going places and the future is bright. Yeah. It's just hard to say Super Bowl because that means you have to win <coughs> some pretty big games. Yeah. And I'm not sure if either one of them are ready to do that just right now. Um, I think when I'm when you look at this Eagles game, it's unfortunate for the Eagles and for a rookie quarterback that you had to go into Seattle um, in December. That's a team that in December is is is. I mean, Russell Wilson in December is just. I mean, he he just takes things to a whole nother level. And I said this about the Seattle Seahawks, and we talked about this a little bit when the Legion of Boom got hurt. The core of the Seattle Seahawks, on from a defensive standpoint, a major part of why they're good is because of the violent nature of their front seven. They have a down four that can just flat out get to the quarterback, and when they bring pressure on you, their front seven is just as gummy. I mean, it's, it's them and it's, the, and it's the Minnesota Vikings. When you talk about having a, uh, a front seven that can just get after after your your quarterback and your run game. With that said, I think that the that the Eagles' schedule is helping them to mm-hmm. get battle tested. The schedule the way it is now, because I'm sitting here looking at the Eagles and I'm saying to myself, like, yeah, you have a winning record. Okay, you swept the Redskins, big deal. You lost to the Chiefs. Okay, you beat the Giants. Ah, you lost to the Chargers when they hardly had anything. Okay, you uh, beat the Cardinals with with nothing. Okay. No, remember I told you it was, uh, we were talking about last scroll down. I said it was, it's a backup quarterback (laughs) row. And and, and that's that's what they have. I mean, the Broncos, I mean, they're just playing all these teams. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Now, with that said, if you're young quarterbacks and then you're in the NFC and you're in the NFC, and I think that here's the benefit that Goff and Goff and, and Wentz, Goff and Wentz that they get is that they both play against the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, they both play the Seattle Seahawks late in the season. You've always said it. You've been saying it for years that you that a team needs to at least get that one loss out of the way. The playoffs. Yep. You know, get that one loss out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, they're going to get an opportunity, I think, to see Seattle again if Seattle does not win the division. Another thing is, is that you look at the team that they play next week. Yep. They're playing against the Rams. That's what you're so this is one thing that the Eagles have not had that I think is going to benefit them going into the playoffs is that you get back to back bangers you on the road. On the road, you got you got your butts handed to you by Seattle. You got a chance to see what that 12th man action is like. You got a chance to see what the Seattle Seahawks are playing when they have a healthy Russell Wilson and they have a team on defense that's just going to flat out get out get at you. You have to turn around the following week. All right, go back across the country. They stayed out there. Oh, they stayed out there. They stayed okay. out well, there. You got to, you got to, you got to. You look at the next, the following week. You're playing against the two teams who are fighting for their division in back to back weeks. And here's the thing about it is, you said I think you hit to this too. You're going to get an opportunity to see what the Eagles are really about. How do you bounce back mm-hmm. from the loss to Seattle, going to play in the Rams, knowing that if you lose to the Rams. That'll be two losses in a row. That's two losses in a row. You're pretty much not going to be able to, to get the home field advantage situation. And you might even lose the first week by. So these are all things that when you're looking at this game, 
and as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, this is going to tell you about your yep. team. Because if you lose this game and you lose and, and you lose that first week by, you're talking about having to possibly go to Seattle or possibly go to Los Angeles, which is which is something that you, you, don't, want to do. you don't want to have to nope. do. That. I agree. I think this is a real test for them. This is where you're going to see <coughs> because they did get beat last week, this week and they got beat handily. So mm-hmm. how, and now we have another team that can beat us. So what what are we going to do? And and we're on the road. So I think this is a very good. Uh, test for them. Last week, it was either last week or the week before, I told you, it was whenever um, Cam Chancellor went down, and, and I said, you know, I've watched primetime games of Russell Wilson. One game was a Monday night game against the Redskins. Um, I saw him one time against the Packers. and I've seen games with him, like I told you, where I said, this guy is the best quarterback, whoever. Like, he has all of the tools. And you watch, he has these games on big stages yeah. where, where he makes he makes these plays that you would only try in a video game, you, you know, and, and he does it. Um, he runs around, and I know those defensive guys, those big guys, you know, it has to be defeating to beat your offensive lineman, mm-hmm. think you have the guy, and he hits for a spin move, and he's now 20 yards away from where you're standing, where you thought you just had him at. Mm-hmm. And then he makes, and then from the flip side, so the defensive lineman, they thought they had him, boom, that's defeating. How about the cornerback who's covering this guy for 15 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Before you're like, can't follow this guy around for 15 seconds. And then he makes this throw to a guy coming back or going over. And you're like, wow, that was the most spectacular thing. And he does that pretty regularly mm-hmm. and almost effortlessly. You, you know what I mean? And his endurance is something that's in, that's that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes plays. And now, for the last couple years, we've been hearing about this great divide in the locker room and and how the defense doesn't talk to the offense. And they need to step up and they need to do this. Now it's and it did get kind of annoying, mm-hmm. you know. And, and Russell Wilson always took the high road. Um, Richard Sherman, every chance he gets, not quite. I'm not going to say throws Russell Wilson under the buttons, but he he makes a little slight, little slight jab at him to let him know. You know, I respect him very much as a teammate. Which you read between the lines, like mm-hmm. we're not friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? When somebody says that, like I, you know, I respect him utmost as a professional. Mm-hmm. That means we're not friends. That's what they're. That's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So, how about you? Got to be. You got to be cheering on Russell Wilson right now as the defense is is beat up, and he says, "Guys, I got it." Mm-hmm. And, and you got to be cheering for him to say, "Man, you know, we, I wasn't just along for the ride for those two Super Bowl trips. Yeah. Like I, I wasn't just along for the ride." Yeah. And, and um, this is an opportunity to show it, and and I think he's going to seize it. I think he's going to seize it and step up, and he's going to make some plays. And I would like to see him close out the season. And it would kind of be a nice little jab back at this at your at your defensive mates if you were to pick up an MVP in the process. Yeah, and and I was getting ready to say, looking at these, you know, looking at these two games um, for Wentz, this is your MVP right here. You just played against Seattle. Your team only put up ten points. You get the Los Angeles uh, Rams next week. How are you going to face against another top defense, another good defensive coordinator? I mean, you're looking at two back-to-back weeks that may cost uh, Wentz the MVP. No, if it's a bust about it. MVP. I, I, now, with that said, now with that said, now I think that that's where Casey Keenum, Casey Casey. Keenum gets gets elevated in the conversation. He'll get in the conversation, but if, if Wentz goes out there and has a – Gets outplayed by Russell Wilson, which he did, and then gets outplayed by Goff. I think you can now remove his name from the MVP yeah. race. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think, and for me, I think Russell Wilson winning the MVP race is going to come down to this: 
the schedule helps them a lot. We saw what he just did against the Eagles. Okay. Can you do it again down in Jacksonville? All right. Can you do it again when the Rams come see you? Okay. Can you finish off the Cowboys? All right, because that front four is savage. They got a front four that's savage. These next three games right now, and as I'm looking at this, um, depending on what, what Wentz does, I think that this may be Russell Wilson's MVP to lose. I, I think so. And because the other candidate is Tom Brady, which the only the, the thing that Tom Brady has going against him is that he's Tom Brady. That, he, he, that he's Tom Brady. So it's just like we're not going to keep and, giving this guy the MVP. You know, it's it's like him and Peyton Manning saying, like, you can't give it to me every year. So my numbers are so, like, your numbers are always there. It's a no-win, put it this way. It's a no-win situation for the league, whether you give Tom Brady the, the, the MVP or not. If you give him the MVP, it's going to be people talking about why he shouldn't be the MVP, and then he's going to have to prove to you during the playoffs why he's the MVP. If you don't give him the MVP... All right, and his numbers show that perhaps maybe he could be MVP. He's going to say, you know what? I'm going to show you why I should have been MVP. Right. So it's, a no it's, it's in the league's so best the interest to get one to get the MVP trophy in one of these young quarterbacks' hands. Well, no, I'm with you. And I, 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 to be honest with you, I think that it's I, right now it, it's it's Keenum, it's Keenum Wentz, and I think Russell Wilson. I think that that's I think it's a three. I think you're absolutely right, and and I think I think Wentz a loss this week where he gets outplayed. For the second week in a row, I think you have to remove his name from the, uh, it'll take a hit. Let's say that. It'll take a hit. Yeah. And if Russell Wilson keeps this charade up with the whole, I mean, 29 out of the team's 30 touches, that's unheard of. Yeah. He leads the team in rushing, and it's not by a little bit either. It's yeah. by like a lot. Yeah. All right. And, and these run, the difference between him, I see Mike Vick and Randall Cunningham lead the team in rushing. That was different. They were, um, they actually ran. These Russell Wilson plays, they're not even designed runs. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? These are scrambling yards. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, Mike Vick did a thousand yard rush. Those are running plays. And Mike Vick was, the, you know, he was out there running for a thousand yards. He was a thousand yard runner. Yeah, no, and, I'm with you. And, you know, the, this, the, he's leading the team in rushing one because there's nobody on the team that can run, that, that wants to hold on to the starting running back job. And he's scrambling for his three, four hundred yards. Mm -hmm. that's, ask, that's crazy. Let me ask you this. Is, is golf part of the MVP conversation? Yes, if when you had yes, the the thing is his numbers aren't. He's in the MVC MVP conversation one because of what um, the team's record is, mm -hmm. but where you're gonna lose the golf part is is that his what his team's record is. The same thing like with Dak last year, okay. Todd Gurley. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know what I mean, Todd Gurley. You have the best running back in football. You gotta give him some of that credit, right? And, and if your numbers aren't eye popping, and his numbers are, you know, let's if we say that the Rams are doing great. Goff's numbers are good, but Gurley's numbers are great. Yeah. You know they're going to split credit for it, and you almost got to lean the lean towards more towards Gurley because you know you're not sure where you rank Goff in, in the quarterback pecking order, but you know you rank Gurley. You know uh, Gurley's having a monster yeah, year; he's a monster is, back. But clearly, the MVP this year is going to go to a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not nah, so. The reason I asked about Goff is because now you're looking at in in in, in a three week span, all three of those quarterbacks will we'll play each other, one another. Mm -hmm. All right, when you're looking at the Rams schedule, where they play, the Rams play against Philly and they play against Seattle. So when you're talking about the MVP race, I mean this thing for for Keenum. You're just hoping that, hey, you guys go ahead and beat up each other. Y'all go ahead and split. Give us home field advantage. I'll continue to win, and then maybe I can squeak out 
I can squeak out a, a an MVP. It may, I mean, that, they're very if they take care of each other, wipe each other about, then yeah, that that's a possibility. But here's the issue with that though: is that if Seattle is going to qualify for the playoffs, it's going to be on the legs of Russell yep. Wilson. It's going to be on Russell Wilson's legs. But but, but we're talking so much about Russell Wilson. Why doesn't and, and I guess his legs will answer this question. But if part of what Keenum is doing is because of his defense, all right, why doesn't what Seattle is doing and what Russell Wilson is doing, why don't we take his defense into account when you're talking about why they're winning games and things of that nature? Because right now, the, Seattle's identity with the Legion of Boom was the reason that Russell Wilson, <coughs> never name, was mentioned in one of the great quarterbacks. So now we're talking about you lost the Legion of Boom. The entire Legion of Boom, except for one player, is gone. Okay. And if you keep winning, that's on him now. So there's no more credit to man, the defense winning game, the defense winning game. There's not enough time for us to relearn and give the second unit a nickname. They learn it's just Russell Wilson, yeah. and not only that, they have no running game, like zero running game yeah. at all. He is the running game. He leads the team in rushing by a lot too. Like again, we're not talking about he leads the team in rushing by a little bit. Like he leads the team in rushing by a lot. I mean, they start a different running back damn there every week. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this is the Russell Wilson show. And and if he puts it on for the next three weeks, I think he runs away with the uh, MVP. AK, AK says the Seahawks have the MVP at quarterback and a defensive player of the year. And Bobby Wagner. And, and Bobby Wagner. I can see that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but this 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 part this this time in the NFL season, especially when you have teams playing against one another, and I know that we have I think we have one or two more games to go uh, to finish out this past week. But this is exciting. Mm-hmm. If you're a Rams fan, especially after last year, you're excited. Eagles fans, you're excited. Saints fans, you're excited. Jacksonville, you're excited. Tennessee, you're excited. There's so many teams in the National Football League who who are still excited. If you're if you're a Falcons fan, you're still excited about what's taking mm-hmm. place right now. No, absolutely. There's no, no, there's there's definitely the NFC is wide open. NFC is wide open. And the thing is, is that, unlike most years, there's no team that you're like. I mean, the Patriots are up there, but for some reason it just doesn't seem, they don't seem as unstoppable as they have in the past. Mm-hmm. There's no team that's scaring you like, man, I don't want to play them. There just really isn't. You, you know I think I mean? the Patriots is that team. I think the Patriots is that team, and I told you before, Seattle. Seattle is, for me, is that team that when they get to the playoffs, they just take things to mm-hmm. a whole other level. In the last couple of years, Russell Wilson has not been healthy. This is this upcoming week is a heart check for Philly. I really think this is a heart check, and, and the Philadelphia Eagles, their identity is going to be shown yep. in, in, in this game against the Rams. I think we will. I, I think it's imperative that they needed to go. They knew that was going to be a tough road trip. I think you have to go one. You have to go one and one out there. Yeah. You, you, you pray that you go two and zero. Oh, you your best case scenario is two and zero. Oh. You hope that you get one and one, and you you say we can't afford to go zero and two. Okay. You know. Yeah. You know what I mean. That's what you say. You say we're going out west and. An ideal situation, so we get two and zero. What what we can live with is one and one. We can live with what we can't have zero yeah, and two. two. Yeah, we, we can't have zero and two. But against two teams that the Super Bowl, we're gonna have to be one of them. Yeah. We're gonna have to be one of those two teams to win the Super Bowl, and we can't afford to go zero and two. And with last, we can't afford to trick off uh, a home field advantage either. Yeah, I, I was going to say that this is t- this is a situation where you go zero and two, and not only do you go zero and two, but you're going to have to go. You're going to have to play one of these two teams in the first round. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's definitely not what you want. Uh, the Monday night game last night—that's the NFC North that we're used to. Every time we see these two AFC, teams, shoot, yeah. AFC. Every time we see these two teams, something—it's something. Um, 
And it was physical last night. At the half, uh, they're up 17 to 3. Bengals up 17 to 3. And I just had a feeling. <laughs> I was like, I, you know, one, I've been telling you all year, I just don't think that Cincinnati's a good football team. I, it's, I, I think Marvin Lewis actors wearing thin. I think the team is just implodes. They, they always seem to implode at the wrong time. That's always been their thing. Is that, you know, they'll be right there and everything's lined up and the game is ready for them to win. And then they somehow implode. Like they, they you never know what it's going to be. I mean, last year it's, I mean, a guy getting to it with Joey Porter. He said, Oh, Joey Porter's still in the league. No, he's a coach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, he's not in the league. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a coach. And somehow Pac-Man or whatever it is gets into an altercation with a coach in the middle of the field. Like mm-hmm. it, it's always something where they find a way to implode. And, uh, this, and this is what worries about the Steelers. There's been so many, the Steelers have, the Steelers, what's the record is, uh, 10 and 2. I guarantee you there's never been a team that's been 10 and 2 that's had more hats of bad football. Like they have a lot of bad hats. You, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's the reason I'm like, man, why is there more people talking about the 10 and 2? It's like, they had a lot of games, but they did not play good for an entire half, if not three quarters of the game. You know, like we, they have these weapons. And so if at halftime they're down 17 nothing, you know, that's only one Antonio Brown bomb and a, and a, a Le'Veon Bell screen pass to the house. Yeah. And, and then, bam, we got a ball game, right? Mm-hmm. So the thing is that we just get to really see the Pittsburgh play four quarters of football. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what makes you kind of cautious about them is that while they're 10-2, they, they've been in some ball games with some teams that you're like, huh? Like, you, you, you struggled with you struggled with them, you know that that's that that's been the problem. I mean, you beat the Colts by three, you beat the Lions by five. Uh, you know the Packers who didn't have Aaron Rodgers, you barely beat them. You, you beat the Browns by two points. So there's a lot of these games that you you lost to the Bears. There's a lot of these games you got swatched by the Jags that you're like those are some concerns, right? Yeah. But they got these weapons. They're ten and two. So on any given day, it can happen. <laughs> The Bengals are the team that just were always going to find a way to lose. And the Bengals, the, their window is closed. Um, I don't, I, I, it's not that I know his name, the linebacker. I just, perfect, perfect, okay. Um, Vontae, Vontae perfect. His name has been mentioned so much over the last four or five years on dirty hits, uh, cheap shots, uh, whatever you want to call it. And, in all of his interviews, he showed zero remorse. But, like, just zero remorse. I couldn't, I don't care. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you don't like it. I saw the one play that troubled me. It was in a preseason game, and he just destroyed a uh, Chiefs fullback or tight end coming out the backfield. The pass 50 yards over his head, and he just lit the guy up. Mm-hmm. Just lit him up. No remorse, no nothing. Hey, keep your head on the swivel. It's the football field. Well, he got his, he got his medicine last night. Mm-hmm. And, and the rookie, Court uh, receiver, just Juju, Juju, cleaned him up good. Mm-hmm. Cleaned him up good. The NFL came out this morning and suspended him for one game. I, that's it, the the hit might be illegal by the law in terms of so you throw the flag, but that's not a suspension. That that's a football play right there. One, the play happened right in front of us. He's going for the player. Yeah. He's, he, the guy's within three yards of making the tackle, right? I mean, <laughs> this isn't on the opposite side of the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might be the best uh, tackling <laughs> linebacker in the NFL. He's led the NFL in tackles several times, mm-hmm. and he's within two to three yards of your running back. Mm-hmm. And you came over and hit him. And you best believe he'd have done the same thing to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He'd have done the same thing to you. 
So, I'll let you have the floor. That is a football playbook. That's that's a football play to me. It is. And, and, and if you, you know, want to call a flag because of the letter of the law, that's fine. Suspension, that's ridiculous. You know, the NFL is trying to blame protesting. And, you know, we saw where they, they pretty much bought their way out of out of the whole protest situation. Um, this is why people don't want to watch anymore. Because this is football. Those of us who grew up watching football, mm-hmm. we know this is football. There's nothing else that he could do. This is... Gronkowski got suspended for a game. And when I'm looking at what just happened here, you're suspending a guy for a football play. He's getting the same amount of time as a guy who just did something. <laughs> just that, that, that most, that was people, a, most people say that if it wasn't football, it would be considered assault. Right. It was a WWE play. I mean, right. chuck so, on a guy on the ground. So the, things like this, this is why this is why you're losing fans. I agree. A lot of football, a lot of why people watch the game of football is the violent nature of the game. Jacked Up was probably one of the most watched mm-hmm. things in, 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 in mm-hmm. sports history when that came on because mm-hmm. everybody wanted to see the big hits. Yep. And and so I, I say all that to say this. It was I a re- great hit. It was. I love seeing wide receivers who have the heart and the courage to go in there and, 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 and block linebackers. Love the high school. And, 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 and see, that's the thing that's being missed in all this. And so you, you throw out all this all this this BS about oh we're worried about player safety, but yet but yet you have teams playing on a Sunday, they gotta turn around and play on a Thursday. Thursday. You understand? And then turn around and play on the following Thursday. Mm-hmm. So where did the 10-day break come in? It didn't happen. All right? That's just a great football play right there, man. It was a great hit. It was a great block on a guy who who has, has been dirty. I definitely don't think that he deserved one game. You flag him for 15 yards for the taunting, but you don't you but you don't you don't you don't suspend him for a game. What are you suspending him for a game for? I have no idea. That 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 is crazy. And on him of all people. But I mean, but and, and and I understand I understand where people coming from and they saying on him. But these are the types of rules that we can't allow ourselves to justify something being okay or not being okay because we don't like the. Person. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. No, no, if it's a it that. was just a flat no, out yeah, great play. And what's going to and all of this fake player safety and fake trying to protect the players and all that crap. It takes away from a man who did his job. In, in, in an awesome way. As a running back, I love seeing my wide receivers getting up in the mix. To me, this is the biggest rivalry in football, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. It continues to live up to the hype regardless of what the two teams are. It's not the Redskins and the Cowboys. It was just a good hit. That's what they do. That's what that division does. Yeah, every game in that division. That's what that the way. division because yeah. you can insert Ravens in either one of those situations. That's, that's what that team does. If, you're not telling me when you watch this film, that the next day in the receivers' room, in the whole offensive room, Juju's not getting a standing ovation on this play. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when you watch that film, that's what you want. In this era, we can't have it where all we do is criticize the receivers for being divas <coughs> and they don't want to run block, they don't want to do anything like this. Yeah. And then you got a guy saying straight back to the veteran, like Heinz Ward would do all day long, all day long, all day long. Hey, I'm out here, and you guys get to tee off on us. You know what? Here's yeah. some teeing off. Of, here's a medicine of your because because the thing is, a guy like Burfey, he's probably going to hit every guy ten times a game, mm-hmm. hitting everybody every time he's standing next to the pile. You're getting hit. Mm-hmm. Anytime you run block on his side, you're getting hit, and you get a clean shot at him, and you're not supposed to. What are you, what are you supposed to do? You know, with that block, when I'm looking at that block, um, it, 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 it's he lined him up, didn't helmet to helmet, didn't hit him in his head. 
hit him dead smack in his chest. When I when I look at this situation, right, it just pretty much reminds me of when I'm watching sports and I'm and I'm just thinking about life, right? Instead of making sure the player does what he has to do to get better, you know what we do? We try to change the rules. Okay? We want to change the rules. So we got a guy who's just going out here and doing his job. And he gets penalized for doing his job. It is a physical football game. It is a good block. Why are we talking about the fact that, yes, he's a good tackler, but clearly he had zero field awareness on that? <laughs> you have to know, as a guy, being him coming into this situation, Cincinnati Bengals versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, you are a marked man. Mm -hmm. Your head must be on the swivel at all times. So we want to throw in all these rules which takes away accountability. That's a complete lack of field awareness. You know you're a marked man. You saw where the ball was at. You got to... You have a split second to take a quick picture of a field and then get an idea of where the guys are headed. It was a good hit. It was a good block. It shouldn't have been a flag. And I hope that they, I, I, I hope that they lift this suspension up because I mean, really, the NFL just—you could just clearly tell that that their measure for for what's acceptable or not is is pretty much. There's no way you can look at the Gronk play and that play and say they're the same thing. Yeah. There's no way. It's not. It's not. There's just. There's just the same thing. There's just no way that you can say that they're the same thing. It's not the same thing. But you know what? With all the things that's gone on in the NFL this week, I mean, it's to the point now where you just have to expect this out of the NFL. I mean, it just it just doesn't make sense. And and stuff like this is how you lose fans. This is why you're losing fans is because you're taking the nature out of something. The nature of football is that it's physical. It's a physical sport. I agree. So you're trying to take the nature out of it, plug in all this artificial crap, fake like you're doing it to, and, and claim it that you're doing player safety when I'm pretty sure if we look at stats, and, and I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure if we look at stats, since you've made all these rules changes, I'm pretty sure more guys are getting hurt. Yeah. More guys are having career-ending injuries, especially wide receivers that come across the middle, and instead of allowing a man to hit you here or hit you in here, and that has a bigger effect than, put it this way, I think that has a bigger effect getting my knee blown out when I'm 28 and now I got to walk funny for the rest of my life opposed to getting hit in the head and I may suffer something years down the line. You know, these are all the things and this is why the NFL is, is, is losing fans. I think that this was a great game. This was an old school football game between two rivals. And and I think the game lived up to to went down to the last play of the game. Went down to the last play of the game. Kept the field goal with the clock with time with time expiring. You had the physical nature. This, this is what a rivalry game is supposed mm -hmm. to look like. Absolutely, absolutely. That was that, and that's what Monday Night Football is supposed that's to. That's what Monday Night Football. This is just what football. That's, is that's, that's to how your like. week is supposed to end, right? I'm, yeah. how, I'm much better than at you know twelve o'clock, eleven forty-five Eastern time. The week ends on you know on the last play of a game, the ball going through the uprights on the last play of the game. Like that's that's football for yeah, you. Man. That's football, man. That's football. That's how that's how your Monday Night game is supposed to end your week. All right. Week third, week fourteen starts off good, good, good football game on Thursday night this week. We got the Saints, Falcons, and Atlanta. Give me the Saints, and I think they put the Falcons out of their misery. That'll bring the Falcons to seven and six and season and some on life support. Remember when Saints I, are rolling? I forgot who who Minnesota played. 
But there was a team that Minnesota played that they beat, and I said because this team just lost to Minnesota playing against the most physical defense, they will be able to come back and bounce back. I think that this is the same case with the with the Atlanta Falcons. New Orleans Saints, while they are rolling, I think playing against the Minnesota Vikings and playing against a defense that's as physical and as violent as as the Minnesota Vikings, I think that it's going to be a breath of fresh air with the Falcons coming back against the Saints and um I, I I I hate to do this because I want Green Bay to qualify. It was the Rams after the Rams had just after the Rams, yeah. After the Rams had just lost to um to Minnesota. Yeah. And so I, I'm going to take Atlanta in this game. Okay. Uh I I think the Saints just because the Saints are rolling, man. They 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 got that they <coughs> fear the beast. It's it's like they just came with this game plan that nobody would have ever expected, and that's the Rams. Excuse me, the Saints to be a running team. Yeah. The Saints to be a running team and play defense. That's two. That's the last two things that the Saints are known for. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I, I'll take the Saints. Uh, Colts go to Buffalo. Give me Buffalo. Give me Buffalo. The Bears go to Cincinnati. Cincy. Yeah, give me Cincy. Um, the Packers go to the Browns, where all the Browns do is hand out wins. Packers. Packers. Um, Raiders, Chiefs in Kansas City. If the Chiefs lose this game, somebody's losing their job. Oh man! I, do you think that if the if, if the Chiefs were to miss the playoffs, is Andy Reid out of the blue randomly on Odyssey? I don't think so. Starting off six and zero, miss the playoffs? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that Andy Reid, for him, this is just a learning experience, and for the players who return on the roster. I think that it becomes a learning experience that's going to make these guys a lot more hungry during the off season. That you just missed out on a perfect chance to, you know, people had you representing the AFC in the Super Bowl with some, with, 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 at the beginning of the season. So, as far as my pick for this game, jeez. For one last time, one last time. I'm going to go Kansas City. I'm going to go Kansas City one last time. I'm going to go with the Raiders, man. I'm going to go Raiders. If if Kansas City loses... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Kansas City loses this game, I won't pick them again for the rest of the season. I'm going to give them one last chance. This game is in Kansas City. It's in Kansas Kansas City. City. I'm going to go Kansas City. I'm saying I'm giving them one last chance to get off off this little loser streak. I'm going to go Kansas City. They lose this game. That'll just be the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Cowboys at the Giants. Eli's back. Cowboys at the Giants. You think maybe there's some sort of rally behind our quarterback? Coach is gone. Um, I'm going to go. Oh, gosh, I want to pick the Giants. I'm going to go Giants. I'm just going to go Giants. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a very big. I think the morale <laughs> in the Giants locker room is going to be great with the with the firing of the coach. Eli's back, and it's kind of like we got our leader back, and the guy who benched him is fired. So I think all of that tensions. I think everybody's going to be ramped up and happy. That just—I just don't think they're that talented of a football team. I mean, I feel you on that, but I also think that those guys are going to get up because you know that hey, my our season is in the dump, but we could be the team that pretty much uh, shuts the lights on the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, so they got a lot to all, all fifty, all fifty-two of those guys, in fifty-three, excuse me, including Eli Manning. Are playing right now for a spot on the Giants team next year. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that you have to decide. There's new GM coming in. There's going to be a new head coach. Every single person on the team, with the, with the exception of probably Beckham, has to be like, yeah, I'm not so sure they're bringing me back next year. You know, so you got a team full of guys who are trying to play their way back on the next year's team, and if not there, somewhere else. Yeah, and and this is a rivalry game too. I mean, it's an NFC, it's an NFC East game. Um, I just think the Giants are going to win this game. 
you looked at the defensive coordinator has been moved to the head coach, so you got to believe that his guys are going to fight for him even more. And I think that he, I mean, I think he's a phenomenal, I think he's a good defensive coordinator. And he's also putting himself in position to be the head coach. Right. So for those guys who are in New York who want to come back to New York, then you're going to go out and play for this coach because if you finish strong, that's going to be your coach. And now you have your guy uh, as, as the head coach. So I'm going to go with the Giants in this one. It's an upset, but I'll, I'll go with the Giants. I'll go with the Giants. Um, Lions at Bucks. This game for me is all about whether Matthew Stafford is healthy or not. I agree. I think it, the game is in Tampa. I, I just think that it comes down to Matthew Stafford. Um, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to go Detroit. I'm just going to go Detroit. Um, I'll go Detroit, too. It's not playing good. Um, I'll go Detroit. Vikings at Panthers in Carolina. Jeez, me Christmas, man. So, it's, a, it's about three weeks in a row now. Some real, all the top teams are playing each other. This, this, this one here is a tough one. Carolina just lost, and they're now they're at home. Give me Carolina. You know what? I'm going to go Carolina for this reason. For this reason alone. You know how I talked about the Rams, and they're playing against the Minnesota Vikings with the tough defense? Mm -hmm. This is going to be the most physical defense that the Vikings have seen all year long. This is going to be the most physical uh, defense that, that, that the Vikings have seen all year long. Uh, the Panthers are just coming off of a big loss mm -hmm. to the New Orleans Saints. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. I'm going Carolina in this one. Yep. And if you're an Eagles fan, you're praying that Minnesota loses. Yes, you are. 49ers at Texans. They go to the Texans. Garoppolo's second start. I'm going uh, 49ers. I'm going back to back weeks? Yeah, I'm going with the Niners. I'll go with the Niners. I don't know what the hell the Texans are doing over there. I'll take I'll take the Niners also. Garoppolo, they got a new coach, new era, new everything. Let's go with it. Uh, Jets, Broncos. I'm gonna go Jets. I know Jets going to Denver, but I'm I'm going Jets. I just think the Jets are just a better football team right now. Yeah. Um, who did the Broncos just play? Oh, it was the Chiefs that gave. Okay, the Chiefs played the Jets. I was like, I was like, didn't the Jets and the Broncos just play? No, that was the Chiefs and the, and the Jets. I'm sure the Jets just beat the Chiefs. Why not beat the Broncos? Yeah, really. Why not beat the Broncos? Broncos, who knows what the hell's going on over there? Give me the Jets. Um, Titans, Cardinals. Give me the Titans. Yeah, I take Titans. Redskins go to San Diego. I'm going Chargers. I'm going Chargers as well. Um, Eagles, Rams. There's a game. Rams are at home. I'm going Rams. I'm going Rams too. I'm going Rams. Yeah, I, I, I'll go Rams, and I think I think after this game we're gonna know we're gonna have a much better picture of who, who's the big dog in the NFC. Yeah, really. I think we're gonna have a much bigger picture. It all depends on how this game goes. Yeah. If, if if the Eagles lose, but it comes it's a close game, then I'm not gonna hold it against them. They are on the road. It's mm -hmm. their second game, so if they play good football and, and you know they just lose on now the Rams handle the Eagles. And the Eagles would have been handled back to back weeks yeah. against two teams. They against good teams. Yeah. Uh, then I think it's time to take, you know, knock those Eagles down and peg a little bit. But I, I'm gonna take the Rams. You got Rams too. Yeah, yeah, I took Rams. Uh, Seahawks, Jags. There's a game. I'm gonna go Seahawks. I mean, I just if, I want to go Seahawks. That Jags defense is for real, bro. I mean, that Jags defense is for real. But at the end of the day, a, a healthy Russell Wilson, and for me. For me, these we talk about two good defenses. 
Okay. And if it's one thing that Seattle does is they get after the quarterback. All you have to do is allow Russell Wilson to, if he's put in a situation where he can run around and he's using his angles and he's doing all those things, it's going to wear the Jacksonville defense down. Secondly, if you're Jacksonville, you cannot allow Seattle to go up by 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 10 points because now you're going to put the ball in Blake Boyle's hands. Against this defense, I really I like Seattle in this game. I don't think Jacksonville wins this game. I don't think that they have enough. I don't think that they have enough offensively to to um I don't think that they have enough offensively to keep up with the um with the, with the Seattle Seahawks. You know what? You sway me. I'll go Seattle. I'll go Seattle. It's it's December. Uh one of these teams is known for winning in December, one of them isn't. So now, this is the chance for the Jaguars just to get some credit, you know, to be like, nah, we're for real. Yeah. The, the, the Jaguars stopped Russell Wilson. In December, they go to nine and nine and four. Mm-hmm. They're definitely for real. But yeah. uh there's an opportunity for them to step up and earn some points. But for right now, I'll take Seattle. Uh Sunday night, whoo, right back at it. Ravens Steelers. Steelers back to back weeks. They they're playing that division. They're playing that division. I'm gonna go Pittsburgh. I just I don't I really don't think Baltimore has enough offense. The Ravens owe the Steelers one. The Ravens got beat and got beat pretty handily by the Steelers early in the season at home. Uh I don't know what the records are, but I don't think there's many sweeps in this division. Like, you know, I, I don't think that you get the. I, I'm more of the bet that their their career splits. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think you get too many times where you beat the Ravens or the Steelers two times in the same season. Uh, Ravens owe them one, and for no other reason than that they owe them one, and it's a division game. Give me the Ravens. And the Ravens. I mean, I'm going Pittsburgh, and the Ravens. They're still fighting for their playoff life right now. Yes, they are. Um, and I just think that I, this was one of those games that I had them losing. And I still had them making the playoffs, so I'm gonna go with um, more Pittsburgh. And then Monday night, the Pats minus Gronkowski versus the Dolphins. You know what? Stop it. Miami always gives Tom Brady and New England problems. Mm-hmm. And when I'm looking at the game, you know, I'm looking at as far as I'm concerned, I think that um, New England struggled with Buffalo, but all of that doesn't matter because <laughs> Miami's not going to beat New England. So no. I'm going to go ahead and take the Patriots in a blowout fashion. I got the Patriots as well. Alright, that is this week's show. Thank you for everybody who tuned in, listened, commented. Uh, we appreciate that, John Carlo. Oh yeah, your Dolphins, man. Let me guess, you got the Dolphins beating the Patriots? Oh, he I'm, just said something about winning out. No, he's done. Really he got a show. Did he? Yeah. Come on, man. I thought you... you right now he's just... He's just he, he just refuses <laughs> to surrender. That, that's all that is. He's just... He's just going down with the ship, man. He's just going down with the ship because they're definitely not winning. I want to give a shout-out to uh, James Reed, one of my former teammates uh, when I was with the Jets. I see you on there, Jay Reed. Big Tank. I see you oh, on there. I saw, I, saw, I saw him on there commenting, too. I, I didn't know I didn't know who that was. Okay, so one of your former teammates from the Jets. That's what's up. Appreciate you for tuning in. Giancarlo, as always. Alvin, Nick. Uh, I saw a couple of other people out there commenting. We appreciate DB earlier when the Cowboys um, we appreciate you, all you guys, and please keep coming back every week and help make us a better show. We love your comments. We love your questions. And again, everybody, thank you for tuning in. If you didn't get a chance to hear the whole show, it'll be up there on the page. So just go back and you can watch it. Or if you can listen to it in your car while you're working out at the gym on uh, iTunes, just type in Player's Voice Barbershop. And, and make sure you like it as your favorite so that way you can get the updates every time a new show is on. Um, so that's Apple where you get your Apple Music, excuse me, that's iTunes, Google Play, the TuneIn app, any one of them. Just type in Player's Voice, The Barber Shop, 
hit like and uh, you can go ahead and get listen to it on there. Or like I said, it's all available right there on the Facebook page. Appreciate all you guys. Have a good week and see you next week. Peace. Later.